the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. We're back. What 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 did you say? I said I won't tell Janet Crow. He said Oh, okay, yeah, I gotcha. I under I understand. No, Janet and, and David and all of those folks are are great friends of mine. They really are. They're great friends of mine. All right. Back here on the day it's a Monday, man. This is a short week for everybody. No wait a second, you guys are working in UCA. Are you off now? Uh, we go until uh, the end of Wednesday. So, no, so you're the same as I am. I I get Thursday, yes, Friday off. Well, yeah. I, you know, somebody's got to work around here, right? So, <laughs> I got they got to give me Friday off after giving me Thursday because Thursday is the day that I always eat so much that my eyes about pop out. If you're not eating that much, you're not doing Thanksgiving right. So I'm I'm glad to hear you're doing it right. Yeah, I do do it right. And I'll tell you something else I like. How about you, Zach? You like this? I get tired of watching the NBA on Thanksgiving and the NFL. Right. So did you see Fox Sports has got three, not one, not mm-hmm. two, but three all day long. They're calling it Feast Day. And it's uh, college basketball. Okay. All day long. Now, I'll watch college basketball all day long. I love college basketball. We won't talk about Sunday. We need to, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope we get to meet again with Arkansas when we're at full strength and not missing five people. <laughs> you realize they, did, they made one substitution Indiana did during that game? Get out of here. No, they had to, everybody had to play and play and play. <laughs> It was the way it was good. What's the big guy's name that they got in Arkansas? Gafford. Gafford, yeah. He better get in shape. I'm just telling you. By the time, by the end of that game, he was holding his shorts down by his ankles. He was out of gas, man. Well, he he had enough for him, so. Yeah, he was good. I mean, he's a great player, but he needs a little bit more gas in his tank, I think. He wasn't, they took him out quite a few times. And it didn't help us that Miller got in foul trouble at the very beginning of the game. But anyway, let's go play in Bloomington and see how it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Not saying there wasn't any home cooking going on uh, at Walton Marina. Anyway, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Acre is here. Doing great. When When I need to try to understand what is going on in state government, these are the guys I turn to. Seriously. I turn to it because they uh, are usually taking pieces apart of these programs. And it was only because of the folks uh, from Acre that I even could come close to understanding what they were doing when they were uh, talking about taxes over the summer and stuff. I mean, they start throwing things out. The average dude or dudette out there would have no clue what was happening and that's not the way government should be right yeah tax policy can get can get very confusing and we're very fortunate to have dr horpadal with us he's good man yeah he's he's great and and uh you know that's that's one of the issues with tax policy in arkansas is that it is so complicated that the average average person 
has a hard time understanding what's going on. So we're we're excited that that they're taking a look at at, at reforming uh, the tax system, making it more simple, uh, you know, less complicated, more attractive uh, to to businesses and individuals. Uh, and, and we're glad that that Acre's been able to have a hand in that, and great people from the Tax Foundation and. Uh, there's a lot of people taking a look at it, so we're excited to see what what comes from it. Okay, our, you know, I remember when you guys first started several years back. What, has it been about five years now? We're coming up on five years, yeah. yes, sir. Okay, and uh, you were you all were writing the papers and you're presenting them over to the uh, um, politicians over there, and it was like, yeah, 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 sure, thanks, appreciate it, you know. But now. You guys present stuff to them, and they tend to sit up and and listen to you all. You feel like you got some traction out of them now. I, I think we're we're making progress towards that, and I think you know a big part of that is because we, we we try to be very data driven. Uh, we want to we want to lean on the data, and we want to really dig into it to to understand what's going on in Arkansas, uh, how these different policies impact people's lives, and then what's the best course of action. You know, our our goal is is to use data. To help make Arkansas a a better place to to live, work, and raise a family, and uh, you know, just taking taking one stance or another stance just for the heck of it doesn't really do that. And so, what we want to do is is dive into that data, explore certain policy issues, uh, and then come up with solutions that can help move Arkansas forward, make us a more competitive place, and help really raise the standard of living right here in the state. All right. So- is it is the government is the governor and the, the the legislature moving in the right direction? Do you feel? I think we're seeing steps uh, going towards the right direction. Uh, you know, if we look at at uh, the governor released his budget uh, plans the other day, and there were some things uh, to really take away from that. Uh, you know, first off, he's he's planning for for income tax cuts. Uh, and he's he's putting that into his budget so that we can we're planning to move forward with with prudent tax cuts and we're not going to get hit unexpectedly with less revenue. Uh, we're we're going to have to cut programs that might be important, and then we're seeing other programs that are are less effective receiving less money. Uh, for instance, the Quick Action Closing Fund program. Yeah, we're going to talk about. Oh that. yeah, I got I got plenty to say about that. Um, but that's a program where we're giving subsidies to to individual businesses and in, in hopes of. Uh, spurring economic activity, uh, but he he proposed that we cut that budget from fifty million to thirty million so that we can help pay for this comprehensive tax reform. Uh, so we have a more inviting tax environment for for all businesses, and it's to to help increase teacher pay so that we can uh, you know raise the 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 uh, skill uh, level of of the workforce, and again that helps us become more attractive. And those are long term uh, strategies to help improve economic growth it's not it's not a band-aid it's it's let's improve the environment here in arkansas so we're encouraged by that uh there's other policies uh like occupational licensing um that that they're taking a hard look at so we're we're encouraged all right so a lot of people and i can be probably thrown into the bundle of a lot of people all right maybe not as 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 crazy as some but I'm pretty crazy. Uh, I, I would like to see the state make some big moves. Uh, did the reason that didn't happen? Now I understand. You know, the governor is not a quick-moving guy. He's kind of a, you know his background is in Washington, and he tends to like to use committees and, and things of that nature. And I I don't completely blame him for that. I think it's 
good thing to have other people come in and give you ideas and stuff. But I, I really would like to see some bigger, bigger ideas and bolder ideas. Uh, that's why I, I get excited when we start talking about the lieutenant governor and will he ever, you know, will he become governor and things of that nature. But, but, um, you know, Asa has done some, but did Kansas scare this legislature and this governor some to keep them from being, you know, that big, bold, let's get at this kind of thing? Because they've, they've talked big and bold before, right. but actions speak louder than words, of course. Right. I, I think that's a great question, and it's it's hard for me to, to really put my, myself in the shoes of the legislature because they, you know, those individuals are, are working to get reelected and they have certain policy priorities. But I do think that Kansas scared a lot of folks. Um, and I think the way that we look at Kansas as an organization is is that they provided a great example of how not to do comprehensive tax reform. Uh, and so I don't think their their mistake is a reason for us not to look at comprehensive tax reform. Uh, I think it just shows us how, how we shouldn't do it. And we should look to states like North Carolina, like Indiana. They've done a great job. Uh, but it shouldn't be a reason to to prevent us from looking at making Arkansas a more competitive place uh, and, and fair to, to all businesses, regardless of whether you're you know, a multi, multi-billion dollar business or, or you're the mom and pop shop down the street. It should be a fair simple uh, tax environment that's inviting to all all right well let's talk about something here about this quick action closing fund all right. that we have here in the state i've typically not been a big supporter of let's give money to companies right you know i don't like giving monies to just to the average citizen uh unless you're giving their money back that they you've taxed them out of <laughs> yeah. before but giving them money back because of that but uh a lot of uh, this is kind of corporate welfare kind of stuff. I mean, do you guys look at it that way, or do you just see it as it's the way you got to do business now because states are in such competition with each other? No, I don't think we look at it as it's something you have to do. And I know that's been some of the rhetoric around it is that you know other states do this, so we have to do it, right? Yeah. But I think that's 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 the wrong way to look at it. I think I think the way that we should look at it first is is let's 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 try to f- cure the disease before we start using band-aids all the time and, and the quick action closing fund for for listeners who might not be familiar with it it's it's a uh, it's a pot of money uh that is used to provide cash subsidies yeah, to taxpayers money. right it's taxpayer money that it, that is that is used to uh provide these cash subsidies to individual businesses with the hopes of, of retaining them or attracting them to the state um and and you know encouraging them to expand or create new jobs um but we've taken a hard look at this program to see if it actually does that. And there's a couple things that, that, that we found. So first off, we looked at, you know, whether these subsidies actually led to increased economic activity at the county level, right? So if we give money to a business, do we see that there's increased employment at the county level? Do we see increased business establishments? Uh, we didn't find that. And there, there, we wrote and published a paper on this. Um, in the uh, review of regional studies, you can find it on our website at uh, uca.edu slash acre. Uh, so we didn't find that there's this, this broad economic impact. The other thing is that there's not much evidence that these subsidies actually sway business decisions. Uh, there's been quite a bit of work done in other states on similar programs, uh, specifically in, in Kansas, Missouri, Maryland, uh, Virginia, and at best, we see that only about 25% of businesses that receive uh, incentives are actually changing their location decisions based on these incentives. So three quarters of the money 
didn't actually influence anything. These businesses would have would have come to the state anyway, or they would have expanded. Okay, so why does the state do the states think handing out cash is is the way to go? Look, this went down in Indiana back in the nineties right. when I was working there. You know, Governor By at the time, Evan By, uh, just about gave the the whole state away to get a big car manufacturer right. in in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. They're still paying on that. Yeah. Still, 30 years later, right. it's still holding back the economy. Right. I think there's a couple reasons that it happens. And there's, there's, there's different theories out there. But, but one reason is that, you know, the economy, people care about the economy, right? They want to see a faster growing economy. They want to see uh, incomes rising. They want to see more jobs. They want to see people lifted out of poverty. Sure. And, and so there's, there's only, a few things that policy can do to to assist that, right? We can't help that Arkansas is never going to be on the ocean, right? So shipping is going to be tough. What our climate is what our climate is, sure. right? Uh, the things that policy can affect, things like uh, education, right? Those are long-term plays, right? Or the comprehensive tax reform. That's that's a difficult thing to do, but we're working at it, right? And so a quick thing that, that uh, politicians can use all over the country are these incentives, right? And it shows effort that, hey, we're trying to do this, right? Okay. And so voter, voters care about that. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a gentleman down at the University of Texas, Austin, uh, Dr. Nate Jensen. He's done a lot of work on this, on the, on the politics of it. He's got a great book that's out. I recommend it. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Incentives to Pander, right? And he he explores empirically. What a great name. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, and it's it's really informative, and it's he does a deep dive into this. And and the theory is that that most voters don't understand the complexity of this. And as long as they assume that these 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 incentives work, they see the politicians making effort, uh, and so they give politicians credit for that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that anything for a vote, right? And okay. that's basically the argument. That's basically the argument. And then if you're on the business side of it, well, there's there's what a, it's a, economists use a fancy term called uh, uh, information asymmetry, and it's basically businesses know certain things that politicians don't know, like where they where it's best for them to locate. But they're looking at at, at their bottom line. They want to you know maximize profits, and so it's easy to say, well, hey, look, we have to have this subsidy, or we're going to go somewhere else. And you don't want to be the state that that didn't get a company because they, they, they said, Hey, give us the incentives. And, and you said no. And they went somewhere else. Right. But most businesses know where they want to locate because of other factors like workforce, like infrastructure, like uh geographic, there, sometimes there's geographical constraints. Uh, a great example of that is oil and gas in Texas. Right. It's there's kind a- of where it's at. Exactly. So, <laughs> so there's lots of things that you have to think about with this and there's lots of, you know, businesses know some things that politicians th- that don't know, and there's certain things that politicians know that voters might not know. And all this works together to create an environment where even though incentives aren't effective and the data says they're not, that they still happen, right? Okay, so what you're saying is that you set up a situation where, you know, people think this is what's happened, and, of course, perception becomes reality. Right, right. So, yeah, and that's and that's really it. It's it's that it's that. Hey, you know, we think these incentives work, uh, even though evidence says that, that says that they don't. Um, and so politicians are encouraged to use them anyway because it looks good when there's a, a ribbon cutting somewhere, and you can say, "Hey, look, there's a promise of a thousand jobs here, right?" But there's you know there's a there's an article in today's Democrat Gazette, or maybe it was yesterday on. Um, 
uh, Blue Oak Resources, right, where they've had trouble. They've received lots of state money, and they've had trouble. And we can go down the line and, and say, you know, there's several of these companies that haven't delivered on these promises, right? Um, but there is, nevertheless, at the time when there's a ribbon cutting, people get excited about it, and they, they see that, oh, they're, people are working to bring jobs here. We should reelect them. We should give them credit for that. Um, and, of course, like we said before, businesses are interested in, in the bottom line, and getting a, a subsidy or a tax credit helps the bottom line. So uh, there's, there's uh, examples of, in Arkansas, over in Independence County, for instance, Bad Boy Mowers, Pico yeah. Foods, right. they received several million dollars worth of incentives. And both of them came out publicly and said, well, we were going to locate in Arkansas anyway. We're going to expand here anyway because that's where it made sense for us to do business. But we're not going to say no to money. Sure. Right? Somebody, so, it's like, you know, if, you're, if your father-in-law said, hey, look, I'm going to cut you a check for uh, $100,000. Like, maybe you're, you know, fiscally you're, you're doing well. But are you going to turn hundred grand down? I don't think so. No, no, no. Very few people would. Very few people would. So, and that's that's the system that, and you know, and it's I don't fault businesses for it, right? Um, you know, it's it's just something that the system we have created allows, and what it does is you create these bidding wars between states. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the all the hullabaloo about Amazon. Amazon. My God, right. they gave away the farm right. for Amazon. Right, right, and and you, we've seen it before with companies like Boeing getting yeah. you know several billion dollars with a B. And you know what? Not so much in Washington State, but was it North Carolina that they were South Carolina? Where they they built down there? They gave away the farm for that. Well, yeah, well, in Washington State, I think was actually. Uh, don't hold me to this, but I believe that was the largest incentive project, one of the largest incentive projects in the country at, uh, you know, several billion dollars. And they actually went up there and started started cutting jobs. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so it's 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 a system where it just the price tag keeps going up. And the more and more money you spend on these incentives, the less money there is for other things that are more likely to create long term economic growth. Uh, things like education, things like infrastructure. I got you. All right, we're going to come back. Acres here today. We got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Jacob's uh, policy uh, analysis about uh, the whole thing about the quick action closing fund. He's got a new paper out: Government Accountability Five Fixes for Arkansas's Quick Action Closing Fund. If you're a politician, be listening closely. We got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, look, we're going to touch base on occupational licensing a little bit in the next half hour. You know, I just got to tell you, I was going to be a hair braider, but I intended I ended up as a talk show host because I couldn't get a license as a hair braider. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they killed that in a couple of years ago. Give them credit for killing that at least. All right, so real quickly, five fixes for Arkansas's quick action closing fund. I've got about a minute here. You know, why these five things? I mean, as you looked at this, why did you zero in on these things? Yeah, so great question. Um, first thing we did was we just really wanted to analyze the quick action closing fund and, and see what the effects were. And, and you know, we didn't find uh, positive results. We found that, you know, this program isn't actually helping uh, Arkansas's economy. And so, you know, we 
given that given that it hasn't helped out Arkansas's economy, the the first and, and the best policy action is to get rid of the program and use that money for something else that might be more productive, like tax reform, uh, infrastructure, and that sort of thing. But if that's not not politically feasible, which it's it's proven pretty difficult. Um, we thought, well, there should be some other actions that, that we could take to make this fund more accountable to taxpayers. And there's really two two categories of, of policy recommendations. The first is uh, we wanted to increase transparency in the fund. There's there's lots of ways that uh, we can we can do that, um, and it's pretty opaque right now. now and hold the, your thought. All right. All right, hold your thought. If it's about transparency, we want to talk about it. Politicians don't, though. Right. We'll come back. <laughs> And uh, have our folks from uh, Acre on with us right after the news. And, and Jacob are here talking about some different things, and we want to come back and talk a little bit more about government accountability. Not the sexiest co- you know, topic in the world. When I say that, people go, oh, here goes Dave going into the weeds again. No, that's not the case here. The case here is your tax money. I mean, what if I told you over the last, oh, say, 11 years, the state spent about $185.7 million of your money trying to, in some way, entice businesses to come to Arkansas, and it really didn't pay off all that well. Now, we want to get back here and talk about the five fixes for Arkansas's Quick Action Closing Fund. Now, there's more than just this particular money that's being spent isn't there other funds that are little pots of money you know underneath trees with elves that hand out money to to companies (laughs) yeah there's there's several incentive programs that that the state uses um this is this is just one of the the cash grants but there's lots of tax credits um things well invest arc was uh one that was used quite a bit but that's been since gotten rid of uh which was a good thing uh, there's invest. Excuse me. I, th- I think that's one. Um, uh, create rebate. Uh, that's where they are giving cash rebates to companies based on payroll. Um, there's uh, 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 community development block grants. Uh, there's all kinds of, of different tax breaks uh, that they are giving businesses, uh, trying to get them to to to, to invest. And I mean, sometimes in tax breaks are a good thing, especially if you. I mean, best way taking care of is go in and and take care of it overall not just make special little incentives i mean if you want to try to to help the delta bring in manufacturing it makes sense that you might say well you know we'll defer you paying x amount of dollars but at least you're not giving them x amount of dollars before (laughs) they produce anything I think what I would say to that is is the way that that I look at it is is if there's a true market failure, uh, that's where it makes more sense to to look at an incentive. Uh, one of the examples uh, we were talking about the other day is is you know coming out of the recession. Sometimes there's there there was a, a lack of access to capital, right? Right. Uh, you know the credit markets were 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 tight, and and uh, that's an instance where. Maybe it makes sense to look at an incentive, and they program. were tight because the government had screwed up the policy that made them tight. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of reasons there. I'm not an expert <laughs> on that, so, <laughs> so I won't get into it. But generally, I'd, I'd say that if there's a true market failure, uh, things like, like uh, we traditionally think of public goods, uh, like uh, you know, a national defense or something like that, where there's not any one 
market actor that will that will make that come to fruition where it makes sense or like police things like that where it makes sense for the government to be involved uh you know you can imagine scenarios where that might take place that's where it makes sense to have an incentive to try to bridge that gap because there is an actual market failure but it shouldn't be to hey let's get caterpillar let's get boeing you know it's uh it's a different story okay so so we want to increase transparency the first thing that you say to increase transparency is your policy one improve reporting standards does it strike both of you gentlemen i'm sure it does that if you walked in and started talking to the legislature about all the money that's spent by each department in state government they couldn't explain to you what it is that they're spending your money on uh, it's it's a big it's a big budget and you know we're, we've got what about five billion dollars uh, every year that, that, that they're managing uh, and and that's a lot to get a handle on uh, but there should be somebody that could explain uh, at least every, for each right group right, right? And, and, I mean tell you if you said well you got this program what has this done for our state and you listen to them and I'm going to tell you what I hear a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors is what I hear. There's, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of times there, there is, there is some of that. And I think the quick action closing fund is one of those programs that where you could see improved transparency. Uh, there is an annual report that's that they produce, uh, the ADC produces once a year uh, and they provide a little bit of information such as the company's name that's getting the incentive, how much they're getting, but there's a lot of things missing. Uh, so for instance, uh, not every project that gets these these incentives uh, is is promising to create jobs. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm right. reading that right. right. That right. I was just ready and, to ask you about yeah. that. And so and so that's one of those things. There's not a distinction between which projects are promising to create jobs and which ones are not. Uh, there's other uh, issues uh, such as you know what what are the average wages proposed from these jobs? What are median wages? Median wages are left off all the time, but that's an issue because. Uh, you know, you can imagine pretty easily imagine a scenario where you have a, a, a big company where there's some some executives that are getting paid lots of money and other people that are not. So that average wage gets driven up. But we should we should really be proposing or or seeing what that median wage is uh, to to uh, you know see what the average or excuse me the what what, what the benefit to the the typical employee would would be. Um, and then we we don't see a whole lot about how much investment is actually going to be made out of these projects. And the most egregious the most egregious uh, omission is there's no follow up on how these projects are actually performing. You'll occasionally see that money was clawed back, but you don't see how short these companies came of of their proposals. Uh, that's just something that's completely omitted, and and, and it's it's something that I I don't know how you you really you know have a handle on how these these incentives are performing if that's not something that's reported the public has a hard time understanding that what they're getting for their tax dollars and then it's, it's hard for the typical uh, uh official to to really make something of that when we don't know what's what's going on so does the average voter get kind of you know uh bang boozled so to speak because they see some company build a building and they see some people going to work there and things and think wow we won on this one. I think it's misleading to only look at the beginning and the promises. It's it's misleading to have a big ribbon cutting uh, and and talk about the future and what the future will hold, and then there's not any accountability on the back end of no that. No follow up. 
there, there, there's, there's really no follow-up. And, and there is what's called a clawback mechanism, which is if you fall short of your promises, they're going to take some of that money back, which we'll get into that. That's, yeah, that's, 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 number that's issue two. number two. Uh, but you don't see, you don't see a big press release about, Hey, you know, company <laughs> they didn't X come through. right. They didn't yeah. come through. And, and, and so I think that's a, that's a real problem when all you're selling is the promise, right? The sizzle. Uh, they're selling the sizzle. They're selling the sizzle, right? And, uh, you know, it's economic development and true economic growth is not about promises. It's about actual jobs and, and uh, economic activity and income and, and people being lifted out of poverty. And promises don't do that. And so there needs to be more accountability and more transparency with respect to how these projects are actually playing out. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but promises never Never put food on my table. No, they have yet to put food on my table. So, no, you want to know that uh, whatever promises that were met or were made are met, so that the people of Arkansas are going to win. You know, get some money out of this in their pocket, right? Right. They can spend it in our economy, (laughs) right? You want to see that at least the money is going towards what it said it was. What was said uh, that it would go towards. Great picture, by the way, of money going down the drain. <laughs> the only thing better about this picture is we've been a toilet. And the money been swirling around the bowl. I'm just saying. There's a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of money thrown out there that goes to waste. Right, right. And when you're talking, what was it, about $186 million? That's a lot it's of a money. Lot. It's a lot. And there's, there's lots of other things that we could do with that money. Uh, you know, there's lots of needs in this state uh, that, that – Quite frankly, the, those policies that that could be addressed that would be more more beneficial and more effective than than the quick action closing fund. Okay, so about the clawback, let's okay. move to number two. How many people are watching to make sure that these companies are coming through the way they're supposed to? There should be like a, a watch group, you know, that these people have to show up in front of and and lay it lay the numbers in front of everybody, right? Well, I think within the government that there is an eye on it. Um, that stuff is not public for so that some independent you know, group could could take a look at it. But here's what worries me: that's not public, right? That's right. See, there is that transparency you're talking right, about, right? Right. And so there's three issues I really have with clawbacks. One doesn't address the redundancy factor. And what that means is, you know, we were talking earlier about there there are lots of businesses that would have come to Arkansas or expanded in Arkansas anyway. Right. Giving money to that company is is a waste of money because they would have come anyway. We could have kept that money for something else. And so a clawback doesn't protect you against that, right? Uh, the second thing is that these clawbacks, while they, they sound great, if you don't do what, what you say you're going to do, we're going to take some money back. They're only as, as effective as, as they are uh, strong, right? So what I mean by that is if it's a weak punishment for not living up to your end of the bargain, uh, there's not really an incentive to live up to your bargain. And mm-hmm. so a great example of that is HP and Conway. They got uh, $10 million from the Quick Action Closing Fund, promised about 1,000 jobs. And at the end of the agreement, which is about four years, they came up 30 to 40% short of the promised number of jobs. But they were only asked to, cl- uh, to give back less than 5% of their quick action closing fund grant. Well, that's not a whole lot of incentive, you know, to actually make good on on your your promises, right? You're not really protecting taxpayers if if the punishment is that weak. The third uh, issue is is that those clawbacks are weakened if there's a small likelihood that they're actually enforced. And so uh, back in 2013, former ADC spokesman Joe Holmes, uh, in an interview, 
uh, said that there's a different clawback formula uh, for each year, and we always reserve the right to maybe renegotiate an agreement. Well, if you renegotiate an agreement after the fact, after they've already failed, what what confidence do taxpayers have that you, you're actually protecting them with this arrangement? And we saw that this past summer with Caterpillar in uh, North Little Rock. You know, they, they came up short on their job promises and then they, they decided they were going to move some more production here and said, well, hey, we're going to, we're going to bring more jobs. And the state said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you your clawback agreements because you promised more. Well, I, well, if you didn't bring them, the initial, <laughs> then why should you trust them to bring more? That's a great question. Because you got to take the more that they're promising and then add in the jobs they didn't. Right. So so, so that's one of those where just based on a, on a whole new arrangement, we said, hey, we're going to forgive. We're not going to enforce the, the, the prior clawback agreement. And so taxpayers have a lot of reason to be skeptical of clawback agreements as an effective measure uh, for protecting them. Uh, and it sounds great, right? Hey, hey, we signed this agreement. And we've got this clawback, so if they don't do what they say they're going to do, we're going to get some of that money back. But if they're not enforced or they're weak or if if it's a company that would have come here anyway, that clawback's not really protecting taxpayers. All right. So what do you suggest they do to protect people like me? Right. uh, Great question. So there's there's two two things that we suggest. Uh, The first is that uh, clawback formula should be public uh, and and non-negotiable, right? So – uh, if you make these clawback formulas uh, public, uh, you're sh- you're showing the 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 taxpayers how you intend to protect them, right? And then you're empowering Arkansans to hold public officials accountable if those clawbacks are not sufficient. So if they don't think that you know getting five percent of their money back from a company that falls forty percent short is enough protection, they can make a noise about it. They can go and and until that number seems right. And then the other side of it is if you prohibit after the fact uh, renegotiations of clawback penalties, uh, that assures that your protections as a taxpayer aren't arbitrarily weakened uh, on an instance like uh, Caterpillar or other scenarios where there might be some some room, some wiggle room, right? right. You're, you're making sure that, that what they said they were going to do and what they made public, they're actually going to do and, and, and use that to, to protect you as a taxpayer. Incredible. It, it just – say it bothers me is really an understatement before we go to the break let me take you to number five okay cap the number of uh, these particular projects allowed in any given year is that what we're seeing what the governor is saying for the budget where he's cutting from 50 to 30 million dollars yeah so so that's a great point uh to some degree the the quick action closing fund is already capped because it you have to appropriate money to the fund for the program to actually be used. So there is a there's a finite finite amount of money that can be given out. Uh, what we're saying here is that there should also be a limit on the number of projects that that can be funded. So you have the money that you have the money cap, and then you have the number of projects capped. And what that is is if you have multiple projects coming to you and saying, "Hey, you should fund us," it really forces you to think about. Which of these projects is is going to uh, be the most beneficial to the economy, right? You can't fund every every project, and you have to think about: is this a project that is likely to be more effective and provide more benefit to the broad economy, or is this some whim of a project that, hey, because we have money in the pot, we should we should go ahead and dole it out? Uh, so you have to think about these things. It, it, it really there's a trade off. You have to prioritize the projects that you're funding. So it's another mechanism to do that in addition to the money cap. So the money cap is a great start, 
and we're glad to see that the governor proposed less money towards it. Right. This is just another way to, to help uh, encourage uh, uh, the prior the priorities of, of of these incentive projects. All right. So this just basically came out. This study, correct? Yes. Yes, okay, sir. Okay. So I'm sure I'm sure that you got a little booklet here that you're going to send one of these to every elected official. Is that correct? We would we would love we would love for everybody to read it. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. How many will read it? That's a good question. Uh, but the bottom line is, they can make these fixes without a whole lot of problems. Right. Right. The idea here is, is, you know, it's, it's, and the evidence shows that this program is ineffective and that money should be used somewhere else. But if we're not going to do that, there are tweaks we can make, uh, to improve the accountability and perhaps improve, uh, the outcomes from this program. And those are things that, that should be made. These are, these are all, uh, proposals that, uh, it's not something new necessarily. Other states do a lot of these things already. Uh, for instance, uh, we should we should only pay out these uh, these subsidies as we see progress That's towards right. towards hiring. Makes right? sense. Let's not let's you know let's not worry about okay we're going to give it up to you up front and try to pull it all back later. Let's let's pay it as as, as you go. Right? North Carolina does that with with their similar type fund. That's what every business does with its workers. Right, right, right. And you know, if you if you get a loan, a construction loan, uh, you know, from a from a bank, that's what they do, right? You yeah, have they come out and make sure you're doing so, things. Right, right. And so that's that's what we think should be done. Uh, and there's there's again, there's five of these, uh, and and there are really five suggestions that we feel can improve the the outcomes related to this program. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about occupational licensing. I'll give you about five minutes. Is that enough? Okay, sure. I'm happy to get a minute after as much as that other guy talked. All right. Apply, <laughs> applied research. Don't forget about their clinical research studies they do. They explore the safety and effectiveness of uh, investigational drugs. And if you'd like to qualify and be part of these different investigational drug protocols, uh, go to their website, which is arcarkansas.com. Pull down the drop little uh, Deal there on each one of these uh, different uh, studies. See if you qualify, then fill in the necessary uh, blanks. And uh, if you do, you'll be paid uh, uh, some money to take part in these. And uh, it's not a bad amount that you're paid as well. All you have to do is go to arcarkansas.com or call them 501-954-7822. All right, we're back. Let's talk about occupational licensing. Is something happening in that place yeah. that i haven't heard about so the uh governor has been shown support for this by building the red tape reduction working group uh-huh. which was commissioned in february and they just released their recommendations today all right and what's the biggest recommendation in it uh the biggest recommendation is to do sunset and sunrise reviews for uh occupational licensing and so what they are is sunrise reviews is every time a license is put into place um let me ask you to move your mic up a little bit there, there you go. Good. Every time a license is put into place, uh, there has to be some type of review from the legislature to uh, see if it really is protecting pe- the citizens and it's uh, not just a burdensome license for the people in. See, see, this makes sense to me. It goes back to government programs that nobody knows whether they work or they don't work. Yeah. They just, well, we gave them $100 million last year, $110 million this year. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? And then sunset reviews are, are pretty similar to that, where they uh, look at licenses that are already in place. And every, I think they're planning on doing every six years, they look at the license and see, is this still working the way that it was intended? 
And so it's just a, a continual like uh, look into uh, how licenses work and if they've become overly burdensome, should we reduce it? Should we change anything about them? Is, is there any way to get beyond for people to understand that that occupational licensing for the most part, as far as I'm concerned, all right, this is Dave Ellswick's opinion, is not about protecting people except to protect the people that already have the jobs to keep people who want to come in and undercut the people who are doing the jobs from losing a job. I I think that one way to do that is to look at uh, actually get measurements for what how much health and safety this is protecting, like how many consumers it is protecting, because right now it's just – uh, scary stories, whatever they can come up with. For example, uh, Florida had interior designers that said if they were delicensed, they would cause 88,000 deaths a year. And so they just come out with these crazy numbers. That's why I haven't hired an interior designer. Yeah, yet. I'm just <laughs> saying, man. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, we hear these kinds of stories, and I look at that, and I just say, you got to be kidding. And people bought that? Yeah. That that actually led or led and other arguments led to the interior designers staying licensed in Florida. So what were they afraid that they were going to like put you know wallpaper over people and they wouldn't be able to breathe or something? I mean I don't understand where can you kill eighty eight thousand people? The way they got that measurement is they looked at uh, they looked at the hospitals and they assumed interior designers worked in hospitals and then any infection deaths in the hospital was an interior designer's oh fault. Oh my god. Unbelievable. <laughs> no shame, is there? Un- no shame. It's a- See, we're going to have to have you back on now because i got to hear more of these stories. Yeah. i got to hear. I want people to hear this stuff because it's like when they stop the hair braiding thing, you know, mm-hmm. let the lady go ahead and hair braid. I understand that if you're a neurosurgeon, there might be a license or two you probably should have yeah, before you can sure. drill into somebody's head. <laughs> yeah. But the, the the case is is that to braid somebody's hair, hair, you don't need that kind of stuff. That's not when when they're back on. We're going to have you on too, Robert. You know to talk about Robert Steinbach from over at UALR. All right, and he's coming up next, guys. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. I'm going to have you back on. All right. When can we get this guy back on? Soon. Whatever you want. Okay, we're going. I'm gonna work it. Try to get you back in on before this week is out. Sure. That's Wednesday, so that means I'm gonna push hard for Wednesday. All right, all right. <laughs> Talk to you in a moment after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Acre, what quickly your website again? UCA.edu/acre. Acre, go. go. All right, Robert uh, Steinbach is here, and he's he's brought in his own headphones. He hates our headphones here. They're like vice grips. <laughs> he wants just the little buds that he sticks in his ears, and uh, because he felt like the other ones like just squeeze him too hard. It squeezes the brain out the ears. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's good to have. Him. By the way, if, if you haven't figured it out, I'm have I'm having a good Monday today. I'm having a great Monday, and and to have Acre on. What's so good about them? I think they take a subject that's very, very difficult, really, to kind of get your hands around and can, in everyday ease, talk to you about it. And you can you can figure out that as a taxpayer, you're probably getting screwed over. As we talked about uh, during the break, Acre is really a remarkable institution out there, out of UCA, and UCA should be very proud. Uh, they are a um, – it's a flagship 
uh, type of uh, body, acre that is. Yeah. And uh, UCA uh, really is making a name for themselves beyond the, the good name they've already had uh, through the advent of uh, acre. They're good folks. I've had them on uh, since they started. Uh, if the state legislature is really smart, uh, which most of them are pretty smart guys, they should surround themselves with acorettes. Yeah, I think. Can we call them acorns? Acorns, I like acorns. <laughs> but it's it, what, what's interesting is it's a kind of think tank, like they have in Washington D.C., but geared exclusively for Arkansas. And if I were in the legislature, or if I were in the governor's office, I'd be paying attention. I'd be paying attention to what they had to say. I really would. It doesn't. This doesn't mean that I endorse every statement because I don't know every statement that they've made. But it certainly it's a jumping off point. Uh, with a presumption of being uh, accurate uh, and economically sound. And that's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah, they're trying to bring Arkansas uh, as, you know, at the very beginning here is to get them uh, on an even keel with the rest of the South and then getting them in front of the rest of the South so that when people think about moving their businesses towards the South, they think of Arkansas first, yeah. and that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. It's not just throwing money at people because no. that, that. See, that's what like the what, quick action we, closing fund has been about. Yeah, it's like what went on with Amazon, right? And they got such uh, huge tax breaks. We talked about. Yeah, that. I'm sure. Uh, in New York and in Virginia, you don't think that they wouldn't have gone to New York if they hadn't got all that? I mean, this. Well, did you see it, some of the stuff that they gave it, them? It's a university. It's unbelievable. They gave them a university and. You know, the left never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. So now the left is complaining. It's going to make property values go up. Is that a bad thing? You know, the, oh, well, our rent's going to go up and this and that. Yeah, but there's going to be new jobs around you. So uh, it's just remarkable how the complaints come out. But the the, the city sold out, obviously. they yeah. Amazon was very smart. Run by, all, run by socialists right. who understood that uh, – Somebody's got to pay for things. Sure. Look, uh, De Blasio um, is an opportunist. De Blasio <laughs> is a hack. No, um, he he's really one of the worst uh, out there today. And as with most, I would dare say, politicians, they recognize that short-term gain and long long-term pain inures to their benefit because they're moving on to the next position by the time the pain kicks in. And so that's what de Blasio was involved in, short-term gain, long-term pain. And it's not going to be good uh, by giving away more money than you're bringing in. You know, It's like the old joke. Uh, we're losing $500 million a year, but we're going to make it up in volume. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So Robert Steinbach, uh, of course, is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law at UALR. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect those of the school or the university. So um, now I've given you cover. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but the folks over there. Yeah, okay. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some things that happened over the weekend. Yeah. Georgia. Yeah. And Florida. Georgia's on my mind, you know. Yeah, those are two big topics to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Gillum came out, and I guess it was a Friday or Saturday, and said that Santos had beaten him. Yeah, DeSantis beat him, right. Okay, and then 
yesterday, Nelson came out and said that uh, Scott. Scott, thank you. Right. I, took me a second. I wanted well. to say Sonny, and I knew right. that wasn't right. right. That uh, Scott, Scott beat had beaten him, and that Scott right. was going to be the new senator. Right. So that means we're a plus four additional seats that we have in the Senate now. Because mm-hmm. right. we didn't lose, uh, really lose anything, unless you want to look at Flake, and Flake was a Democrat anyway. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. I just and he's trying to screw things up in the in the uh, the lame duck the session lame duck. about the judicial nominees. But uh, you got that. He's so self righteous. I mean, that, I just wonder what that soapbox that he stands on is made of because he is ivory so, soap. Exactly, exactly. And, he, and I think he's made of ivory soap, right? I was going to say, 99.9% pure. Right, exactly. This guy is pure <laughs> as, a, as a driven snow, but I like to say driven over back and forth several yeah. times, right? But, um, and of course, I'm being sarcastic. It's just that he's, he's so holier than thou, you know, and it's, it's too much. Um, and th- frankly, it's what people got turned off with, at least I-, I did, and I know many people who agree with me, got turned off with when Obama was the, um, the conscious in- conscience in chief. Yeah. You know, I was like, don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me that I'm bad. Don't tell Americans they're bad. And of course, Hillary picked up on that and started telling, them, well, coal miners, we're, we're going to put you out of work because what you're doing is not good. And there's a basket of. But that's all right. We're going to yeah. give you a basket for, full of uh, apples and oranges. Exactly. And then there's a basket of horribles or deplorables. Oh, the you know, deplorables, most, yes. Yeah, Americans are deplorable. But 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 I'm the conscience in chief, so I'll tell you that, that you're bad, but I'm good for you. Yeah. And, and then, all your family's starving. Yeah, you can feel good about feel it. Feel good, right. <laughs> and, and surprisingly, people say, you know what? I'm not interested in your, in, in, instead of your bad basket your your bag of garbage that's what it was a bag of garbage and now there's a little bit i think it's it's probably hype but there's a little bit of talk that she might run uh, again in, in two years i'd love it yeah i I'd don't know if it. i could take it again oh my gosh i'd I love to see her get i don't defeated i don't want to hear that cackle oh my gosh that laugh i don't want to hear yeah. it again i i've already i've i've gotten rid of all that stuff i'd have to go back and find it all again so i could use it again i'd love to see St- stephen colbert Yet again, essentially cry on television when he put on a comedy show on the night of the election, fully confident that Hillary was going to win. And then when he brought in his so-called pundits to come speak and they were all telling him, it's looking pretty tough for Hillary to win. And then, of course, she lost that night. What? That's impossible. And all the jokes stopped. All the comedy skits stopped. And they put on black armband. They put on the black armband. (laughs) And then... And only then did that show get funny because I was laughing. Yeah. I was rolling in the aisles watching them because I thought it was hilarious because it had such hubris, such false self-confidence about their ability to win. Weren't they the same way, though, in Georgia? Well, you know, with Abrams Abrams is really remarkable because you see Gillum, Gillum, who, of course, lost to DeSantis. At first he conceded and then he said, well, you know, the numbers are a little bit closer than I thought. So I want to have the votes counted. I thought there's no problem with that. I thought he did it in a respectful way, a nice way. And he said, but look, this is the process. And it looks like there's a process. So so he holds back and then they do some counting, whatever they do. And it's clear that he's going to lose or has lost. And he says, good luck to DeSantis. I wish him well. 
that's what you do. And Abrams comes off and she's unwilling to acknowledge, oh, well, he got he got the right number of votes to win. What does that mean? He got the right number of votes to win. It means he beat you. You know, that's what it means. <laughs> say that. Say he beat me. Yeah. Say good luck to him. Say I wish him well. Yep. But you all of, did a great job for yeah, my campaign, yeah. but we fell a little, little bit, bit short. short. Exactly. And they were close. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, numbers are close. numbers. <laughs> they were close. But she was so, what's it, ungracious? Yeah. yeah, she was an ingrate, whatever. The, uh, here's, right. here's the thing that bothered me most about Robert is, is that she was saying for the last eight years, yeah, they've been setting up this way in Georgia right. to right. disenfranchise right. voters. Right. Not once did she say how they had changed things to disenfranchise the voters. Well, and as you mentioned during the break, so I'll give you full credit for it, that you remember when Hillary cackled how dangerous it would be if Donald Trump did not accept the results of yes. the election. And yet, what do we see? Who, who are the ones repeatedly not accepting results? The Democrats. Mm. And by the way, the, the walls of Jericho have yet to fall, right? Our, our, our institutions have not collapsed. I don't think it's right for them not to accept it. I think it's wholly hypocritical for them not to accept it. But with that even said... We're still doing fine. Well, it bothers me when a lawyer steps up in front of cameras and saying, I'm going down to Florida right. to make sure that Nelson continues to be the senator from the right. great state of Florida. No, right. you should be going down to make sure it was right. a fair election. Right. And whoever exactly. wins, wins. That's exactly. the reason I'm going down there. However, that's not what he said. And for people who say there was no corruption in that election, oh, yeah, there was. There was mm -hmm. plenty of corruption. Mm -hmm. It's just that Broward and Palm Beach couldn't pull it out for right. the whole state. Right. That's what it came down to. Well, you, you know, and that lady. Yeah, what was her name? Uh, she just resigned, right? She announced her resignation. Yeah, she's the one, done. Right, exactly. She's done, and that's good. She should be. When you got 2,000 votes, they had 2,000 votes. And they couldn't find them. They said, "Well, right. they're here in the office somewhere." That was her. Ex that was her. Ex yeah, they're here. Two thousand. They're here. Here somewhere. 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 We got two thousand votes. Exactly. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Yeah. And last week it was so great. We had Thurston on, you know, and he was talking about what they were doing to make sure that the uh, the way we vote here in the state of Arkansas will never be like that right. i mean not saying we haven't been like that before right. there have been cases sure, sure but not recently right and and there uh, there's i think there's 21 counties that are still waiting for the new voting machines and uh the counties are being asked to pony up some money and they don't have the money right and uh, he said that he's going he was going to see the governor i don't know if it's today tomorrow whatever but they're supposed to be talking about the uh, the state government supposed to be paying that money and Rightly so. Right, right. They should pay the money. I'm going to tell you, those new machines they had in Cabot this year were the bomb. Yeah. They were great. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I would change on them is that when it kicks out your ballot to you and you can look at it and make sure the votes were the way they were supposed to be. Oh, wow, we didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can look at it and then you go across the room and put it in the thing that's counting them. I see. And uh, I think it should spit out too. Yeah. One that you get to keep. The receipt, yeah. And one that yeah. you turn over to the state. 
well, I voted here in Little Rock, and you have to pencil in a paper, and then you just slide it into the electronic machine, and you walk away like you have no idea what happens to it. Yeah, there is no there is no uh, pencil anything where in, we vote. It's all yeah, electronic. Yeah, doing on the electronics, wow. Wow. computerized. Yeah. All right, let's get a break yes, here. Uh, it only happens one time, and only ninety people are going to be able to see. If you want to be one of the ninety, well. You've got to be invited to a special one-time screening of the documentary film, The Tax Train is Coming. You know that old saying, the light that you see at the end of the tunnel is not the end of the tunnel. It's a train coming from the other way. Well, uh, if you're one of somebody like me that's getting ready to retire here within the next, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> no, no, um, maybe five years. I kind of wanted to be retiring this year, but it's not going to be right now, not after what we went through back in 08. But the bottom line of government officials, economists, and financial experts are going to spill the beans on why you'll pay much higher taxes in retirement with your IRA, 401K, and Social Security benefits, and why it's critical that you take action now or be left with a fraction of your retirement savings. This special one-time event happens on November 29th. That's a Thursday, 6.30 at UA Breckenridge right here in Little Rock. Admission free, hosted by David Lucas for the David Lucas Show. You hear him on Saturdays here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. If you've saved half a million dollars for retirement, call to reserve your free ticket right now at 501-653-6690. 501 6690. All right, we're back. So, yeah, I was really upset, uh, Robert, with mm-hmm. this Abrams mm-hmm. woman. I mean, yeah. Yeah. she she gave not a concession statement. No, no, no. She gave a full-blown speech. Well, she gave exactly what Hillary said would be devastating for our society, the the failure to accept the results of the election. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And why don't I hear people on the left saying, oh, Abrams shouldn't have said that. Abrams shouldn't have done that. Why is that not the case? Because they're hypocrites. That's why, Dave. Hypocrites. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that And Gillum did it correctly, right? So Gillum says... Oh, I, I, we're, we're close enough. Uh, uh, my concession was premature. I'd like it to be counted. All right. No well, problem. Well, it came up. It was really close. Right. And by law, right. they had to do a recount. Right. That so was the state right. law. Right. And so he said, I'm going to go along with it, of course, right? And that was fine. And then he lost, and he gave a, a very polite concession speech. Um, and it's not the politeness that counts, right? It's the recognition of the result of the of the election. I mean, I don't mind the politeness, don't get me wrong, but the recognition of the election. And Abrams, at best, begrudgingly did so. Well, he got enough votes to win. Well, enough votes just means more than you got. It's not very complicated. You know, it's like, hey, did you win that hand in war? Well, the king's higher than the queen, so yeah, it won, yeah. <laughs> you know? But she had all sorts of weasel language when Jake Tapper asked her whether he was the legitimate governor and she would not answer it. Now, mind you, she could have said something like, I don't know what it means to be the legitimate or illegitimate governor. He won fair and square. Now, that's what I think is meant by legitimate. But if she had a problem with the word, then explain what you mean. But she was unwilling to say he won fair and square. Well, yeah. I mean, that's 
that's the long and short of it. That's it. That's it. That's exactly what I'm trying to and so the, bring up these, the story yeah, here. Yeah, so these earlier. folks on the left, they they cried and cried when when um, uh, Trump uh, um, essentially teased them about uh, the results of the election. But now, when they do it, it seems to be okay. And Bill Maher, who sometimes says some insightful things, but... Oftentimes uh, does not does not, but and and he's clearly a leftist, and he'd be the first to concede that point. Uh, he said, "Ah, oh, Trump won't leave office after if he gets elected a second term, and uh, after that he won't leave office." I mean, that's the kind of thing. It's exactly consistent with what Hillary was saying about uh, uh, Trump during the election, and yet it's the Dems, the Dems, who seem unwilling to accept the results of the election and wish the opponent who won well yeah well that's not to be unexpected yeah i think that's right i mean that's the way that they right. have always played the game Often, always at least, at least always yes. yep so I'm, I'm quickly looking at something i want to yeah it was yeah. a story let me yeah. get it for us sure and but, where is it do, but do, in the do, meantime do, 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 i just do, do, do. you know i just I'd, I'd like to see some more reasonableness when it comes. Listen, it's counting votes, it's counting ballots. It's not rocket science. So, yeah, and she was. She also lied. She proposed a bill earlier. She proposed a bill where she w- would literally confiscate guns, uh, uh, so-called assault weapons. Right. So, to people who understand guns, she would confiscate a sub some segment of semi-automatic firearms that she calls um, uh, um, assault weapons. Okay, so here's from a leftist writer. While Stacey Abrams did not win her bid to become Georgia's governor in the legal sense, there you go, her historic campaign can claim a number of victories. Number one, she ignited a nationwide discussion around racist voter suppression oh my gosh. at the hands of her opponent, former Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Did, didn't take long to, for the racist, racist to come out. Voter yeah. Racist voter suppression. Ist. What is your proof? Yeah. Anybody can say anything. What well, is your proof on that? D- Dave, this is the knee-jerk reaction of the left. If you oppose them, if you don't like them, if you don't agree with them, guess what? You're a racist. And it used to be that people would say, oh, I, I can't be called that. And they'd run away with their tails behind, uh, underneath their legs or whatever the analogy is. But finally, people are saying, stop with the race baiting. Um, not every, it's not that racism doesn't exist. Of course it does. But these, these knee jerk, uh, accusations of racism are overwhelmingly false. All right, we're going to talk about this yes, when we, we come back. Yes, it's will. important that we talk about it. Coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, I, sh- I should have known. Amanda Arnold, who wrote this article for The Cut, is from Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. So she knows everything there is to know about Georgia. Hey, I'm from. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, So, and we know that people from Brooklyn, New York, originally at least, know everything typically, about anything. Yeah, right? typically knows they know. quite a bit of stuff. Actually, the truth is, we, we folks who originally come from New York think we know everything about everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back, and I was reading some of this to yeah. Robert, and he was just shaking his head. Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, it's just really crazy what this lady was saying. Let me get back to where it was. Uh, well, when you look, and I just finished the yeah. thought I was suggesting earlier, where 
where Abram said she had proposed a bill that would take away your guns, and then uh, they said you supported a bill, you wrote a bill that would take away guns, and she said that was a beginning of a conversation. You know what that is? That is left newspeak. Newspeak, you remember the term from 1984, mm-hmm. made up words? That is left make-believe language. The leftist, which was the the theme of the novel 1984 would control language and therefore control thought. And so she would tell you, I introduced a bill to start a conversation. No, you introduce a bill to pass a law. That's what you supported. That's what you believe. Or you can say, I recant. I did it, but I now recant. She didn't do that. She said, introducing a bill is starting a conversation. That's a lie. That's a lie is what that is. Well, yeah, of course it's a lie. Right. And I'm just tired of it. Listen, I will I will say that it's it's not as if Republicans have never used double speak uh, in the past as well, and I'll call it out when they do it too. Uh, but we've got, by the way, some great new people uh, coming into offices now, and of course, you know, one of my favorites, Kim Hammer. I, I so look forward to doing. Oh, it's going to be uh, fun, Senator with him. Hammer. You know, for those of you that have the video of Dave's studio, Dave's got a big hammer for, that that Kim gave him. Yep, uh, Senator Kim Hammer, uh, and Senator Kim Hammer is going to be uh, one uh, is going to be a force to be reckoned with in this coming term because he 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 knows what's going on and he's got good values uh, in terms of what laws he would like to pass and he believes in the freedom of speech. He, he, here's the thing about Kim Hammer that I love about uh, uh, him is that his philosophy and understanding of the Constitution follows logic. It follows the order. He believes in the First Amendment, first. He believes in the Second Amendment, second. Not that second is less important, but he, he believes in these amendments. He believes in the right for you to be able to say what you want to say, to think what you want to think and to defend yourself from harm. If you can't have those three core rights under the federal constitution or under the state constitution, now under, we call them first and second amendment rights, but under the state constitution, they're numbered differently, but we still generally call them the same. If you can't uh, defend those rights strongly, you shouldn't be in office as far as I'm concerned. All right. I agree with you. Right? I, know I agree wholeheartedly with you. That's why I come in your so, show, Dave. <laughs> uh, what was the story I saw about the Nazis? Uh, the guy. Uh, oh, the one who. That was in Montana. The, the, the guy who goes to Fiddler on the Roof yeah. and, and, and makes anti Semitic comments. And so they say, oh, he's a Trump supporter. And he was anti Trump. He was yelling anti Trump yeah. comments. That's it. It's Trump. Wait, wait what? Trump's son-in-law and daughter are Orthodox Jewish, which is the most religious Jewish, right, you can be. Uh, he's an anti-Semite. Uh, Trump moves the embassy from Tel Aviv, which is a, a, a working city, but not the capital of um, uh, of Israel, to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, which is also the holy capital of Israel, in addition to the legal capital of Israel. And, oh, he's an anti-Semite. But the left literally said at the time, oh, you should have held out. You should have uh, uh, raked Israel over the coals before you moved your embassy. Wait, who's the anti-Semite again? Remind me. Yeah, I'm with you. Please. All right, so this writer, I want to – this is what drives you nuts about the left. I mean, this is what will really drive you completely nuts. You're going to love this one, Zach. She says – 
makes a statement. Abrams herself isn't going anywhere. Already a Democrat is talking about running for elected office again and his plans to file major a major federal uh, lawsuit against the state of Georgia for the gross mismanagement of this election. Okay, Nobody has yet to tell us yeah, why there's the gross, gross mismanagement. Well, but Dave, um, the gross mismanagement is that she lost. That she lost, yeah. Right. Uh, and to protect future elections from unconstitutional actions. By the way, do, do you not see the parallel? What, what was Hillary's claim uh, after the election? Oh, the Russians stole yes, it. Yeah. Now, what's Abrams? Oh, the Republicans Kemp stole, stole it, it, yeah. Right? Uh, Though she has ended her candidacy and acknowledges Kemp as Georgia's legal governor but not a legitimate one she's prepared to fight on uh i ran stacy's initiative the new georgia project and we registered over three hundred thousand people of color to vote all across the south we want to bring georgia any white people by the way uh, probably not Mm -hmm. we want to bring georgia's underrepresented and underserved communities into the democratic process to fundamentally change the way politics get done. Was I optimistic and hopeful ahead of the race? Absolutely. But it was a measured optimism, given how intimately familiar I am with Brian Kemp and his low-grade systematic attacks on Georgia's election infrastructure. There it is. In In the beginning, there was a belief that Stacey would not meet, could not meet, the traditional Democratic performance, so not get 45% of the vote because she's a woman and she's a woman of color. She went from that to her essentially her winning, even with all these votes that were not counted. So I'm angry, and I'm angry because you can be a genius. You can run the best campaign Georgia has ever seen, and it's still not enough. Let me say it this way for you. I'm angry because my quarterback won the Heisman Trophy. My uh, quarterback uh, 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 has angry. won last year, won the Super Bowl, and they're playing in it in the, again this year. And we're not winning. And we're not winning. I'm angry because we ran more yards but didn't win the game. Yeah, we won yeah. everywhere but on the scoreboard. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, by the way, here's an interesting thing. This person, I don't remember if it was a man or a woman, but this guy, he's entitled to be angry. I don't care if he's, he can be angry. I, you know, I heard a rabbi once say, I thought it was a very insightful comment, by the way, when some some uh, um, parishioner's husband died and the parishioner said, you know, rabbi, I'm, I'm angry with God. And he said, all right, all right, you can be angry. It's an emotion. What you do with your emotion is a separate thing. Mm-hmm. But anger, I mean, that's an emotion that comes out. You don't control it coming out. I mean, you control how it manifests, but you don't control the existence. of. So she, she or he can be angry, no problem. But that doesn't mean that the other person didn't win fair and square. That doesn't mean you don't have a concession speech. That doesn't mean that you don't call and offer best wishes to the new governor. That that doesn't mean that you don't um, uh, acknowledge uh, your defeat in a truthful and honest way. But instead, she did exactly what Hillary claimed Trump was going to do and how devastating it would be. And so, yet again, the hypocrisy of the left manifests itself. And, oh, Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio, said, oh, if she doesn't win, it was stolen. Now, Prove tell me, it. 
Yeah, well, indeed, prove it. But how is that not exactly what Hillary said would have been devastating if Trump did it? And mm-hmm. here's Sherrod Brown announcing it at the same breath, by the way, that apparently they're talking about him running for president in 2020, uh, obviously on the Democratic ticket. By the way, knock yourself out. Do whatever you want. I don't have a problem with that. But here it is. He is saying exactly what they claimed would have been horrific when they thought they were going to win. Hmm. Hypocrites. Dave, hypocrites. Yeah, I know. Because if it had been the other way, they would have said, of course, it's of course. a legitimate election. As they're doing now. Yeah. And as they did then. Shortly thereafter, Hillary and her cabal came out with, oh, Trump was conspiring with the Russians. Really? Really? The, the tragedy is, you know, if you say something like, can you believe it? The answer is, unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, I can. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, you got people saying, well, Trump and Rubio said that, you know, it was illegitimate what was going down in, in Florida. Show me in Georgia right. where they were right. finding Tens of thousands of votes in boxes, in closets, in classrooms, and elementary schools where no polling places were at. And this woman who's now resigned or is resigning, she's the one who said, literally said, oh, we mistakenly mixed certain ballots that weren't supposed to be counted with ballots that's counted. If that, you know, as we talked about a week or two out, uh, of course, then you question what's going on and of course then you send in authorities to make sure that everything goes by the book that's called reasonable precaution right well i just get tired of listening to them it's a little much it's a little much yeah you know yeah so So anyway what can i say all right get a break it's uh, about uh, quarter till so we'll come back and uh, robert and i will continue discussing this stuff I do want to find there's a story out there. Seems in Montana they were attacking a gentleman for riding for a avowed uh, white supremacist magazine and saying that he should not be allowed to basically publish uh, that material. And I'm totally against that. I'm, I'd be a totally against if a, if a Black Panther wanted to write. You know, Black Panther stuff. Well, listen, the, we've talked about this a thousand times, Dave. You know what the First Amendment protects? Bad stuff. The good stuff don't need protection. So yeah. Mein Kampf, Kampf, the book written by Hitler, right? The guy that killed much of my family. That book is protected by the First Amendment, and I would be the first to say so. The guy that defended the neo-Nazis in Skokie, Illinois in the early 70s, an observant Jew whose father taught him, if you don't protect him when you don't like him, you don't have the rights, you don't have them when you need them. That's how it works. Yeah, that's it. All right. Judge denies motion to dismiss case against publisher of neo-Nazi website. So we're going to come back and talk about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got 13 minutes until, uh, wow, 4 o'clock here on... 101.1 101.1 FM, The Answer. Okay, back with you, and I'm looking here, and they're saying on Fox, big retail opens on Thanksgiving Day, Walmart at 6 p.m., Target at 5 p.m., and uh, 
Retail closed on Thanksgiving Day. Home Depot, Dillard's, Lowe's, Marshall's, Nordstrom. And you know what? I might go over to uh, Home Depot and buy something the day after Thanksgiving just to show that I think that's a good thing that you stayed closed mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and you want your your workers to be with their families. Mm-hmm. 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 Kind of feel that way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are starting to close on uh thanksgiving now and i don't look number one one of the reasons i believe that's happening is that amazon's taken some of the uh, snap out of black friday Mm -hmm. because they can (laughs) undercut a lot of those stores exactly you know and they can do it 365 days out of the out of the year Mm -hmm. but you know, we, there's some things we got to get back to here in this country. I I got problems, if, you know, and I know there's some people who don't have family to go support and do Thanksgiving, but you should take some time and be thankful, you know? Right. Be thankful. Right. So anyway, just, just mine. I'll, I'll show my gratitude to Home Depot that my son, who works for Home Depot, will be home for Thanksgiving instead of having to work on thanksgiving now, you might have to go to work at one o'clock in the morning i don't know day after thanksgiving i have no idea when he goes to work at but the bottom line is at least you'll be able to sit down with his with the rest of his uh, family and have thanksgiving meal all right so robert i read that article to you yes sir. kind of give you an overview yes sir. the judge uh said that, uh, that they haven't found this guy guilty of anything they're just saying that you know what uh yeah you have the right to uh, write what you write, but you don't have the right to tell the people who read what you write to uh, troll a couple of people that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Yes, no. I'm very hesitant, right? It's if you're if you're on one of these uh, social media sites, uh, you are open to the type of communication uh, that they that they use. Uh, and so these artificial distinctions created by judges regarding the First Amendment are exceedingly dangerous and they are open to significant abuse. And that's why I am a strong advocate of the First Amendment and I believe and I understand and I know that the First Amendment is designed to protect speech that somebody doesn't like because if nobody is objecting to the speech, there won't be any First Amendment issue. And so... To say that someone finds it offensive for one reason or another is the sine qua non, the definition of what is typically subject to the First Amendment. Well, see, I have problems whenever I know the Southern Poverty Law Center oh, is involved in it. They are a dangerous operation. <laughs> yeah. I they mean, they try to politi- shut up everybody. Yeah, they're, they're a political operation. They are not – They, I think they used to it one day, at one point in, in history – uh, they used to be a legitimate organization. They have become a uh, a mouthpiece of the left, plain and simple now. And that's dangerous because they are seeking to shut down organizations, some good, some bad, but but most, if not all, well, I don't know about all, but most at least um, clearly operating within the lanes of the First Amendment. Uh, and they are seeking to shut them down uh, with their um, imprimatur that they readily hand out like the left has done for so many years of racist. Yeah, it, it, I guess my whole thing is is that 
Now, Gersh, this lady that uh, the Daily Stormer mm-hmm. uh, went after, uh, focused on her uh, interaction with Sherry Spencer, another Whitefish resident and mother of the prominent neo-Nazi Richard Spencer. Mm. Gersh discussed the sale of real estate owned by Spencer, who was, quote, facing boycotts related to her son's notoriety. On his website, Anglin described Gersh's behavior as extortion, said the judge. The publisher drew heavily on crude ethnic stereotypes, painting Gersh as acting in furtherance of a perceived Jewish agenda and using Holocaust imagery and rhetoric. You know, none of us like that. No, it's I awful. find it disgusting. It's disgusting. All right. And it's totally protected by the First Amendment. That's the key. That's, that's the thing here. If if you if we have a conversation about the First Amendment and somebody in the who's talking about it doesn't say I find those statements um terrible. If there's nobody at the table saying that then you're not having a real conversation about the First Amendment. Because nobody sits around and reads nursery rhymes and says, I object to nursery rhymes. Or sits around and says, that greeting card is so offensive. Happy birthday to you. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's a birtherist. That's a, 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 a pro-people who can have babies and anti-people who can't have babies position. That doesn't take place in the real world. So the only thing that gives rise to objection and therefore deserves or needs protection of the First Amendment are those words and ideas that others don't like and find objectionable. And the fact is, people are allowed to be stupid. They're allowed to have bad ideas and say them. So let me just ask this, Robert. What makes what this guy did... Different from the person who know. doesn't doesn't agree right. with another person that says, you know, all of my followers, right. I want you. Yeah, I don't know to send this guy an email saying how disgusting the, he the is. The only thing you can't do right is is say, all oh, my followers, go out and do this dangerous, you know, violent yeah, behavior. Go burn down his house. Right. That's a different right. story. That's a different story. That is not protected. That's very narrow exception, but that's not protected. But say, write him a letter. Isn't that what the left always does, right? Isn't that what the, the left always write a letter to Nike? You don't like what they're doing. Write a letter to Apple. You don't like what they're doing. And by the way, they're free to write the letters. I just mock it slightly because it's such. Oh yeah, Nike really cares if you write them a letter and tell them not to make sneakers in Bangladesh or something like that because they can make a sneaker there for a dollar seventy-five, and it costs you know I don't know eight dollars to make it here or whatever. So um, it's just it, it, th- this is well within the the realm of the first amendment and when you get leftist judges i don't know that i don't know even know if you mentioned the name of the judge i have no idea who he is but his behavior is leftist i'll tell you that right now all right we'll get a break in and then we'll come back and uh, robert and i will continue uh discussing news in the, the uh television programs i guess i mean We all watch Fox. We all watch the craziness that's called MSNBC and uh, all the rest of them. And some of them bring up decent questions. Other of them just show how ignorant that they are. We'll talk about that. Final hour, uh, Conduit News is going to join us. And we're going to talk with them about uh, taxes and about Medicaid funding. And we'll probably go back and revisit Florida and Georgia uh, as well, because to listen to the people in Florida and Georgia 
is to listen to how the left responds when they don't get their way. By the way, I hadn't seen any big demonstrations by the right, uh, you know, threatening to burn somebody's, uh, you know, some somebody down uh, because uh, our person didn't win. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get a break. We'll be back. We got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back for the uh, 4 o'clock hour. If you just joined us, you're in your car, you're heading home, you lucky dog, you. Yeah, your day is now over. I wish mine was over, but then I'd have to not have the time to talk to you, and Robert wouldn't be here, and Zach wouldn't be here, and that would make me sad. So I'm I'm willing to keep going for another couple of hours. You you were talking about you wrote uh, an article and some people got upset, huh? Yeah, you know I write these articles discussing admissions in law in various law schools um, uh, and how they work, and I've used uh, data from my school and elsewhere um, uh, to demonstrate that you don't do people favors when you admit people with really low scores uh, that are out of step with the general student population uh, to to any school because those students are a fish out of water essentially uh, and they suffer. And in law school, we can see this most easily because when you let in people with particularly low scores objectively or as well as relative to the uh, mass of the class, uh, those with the low scores fail the bar at a far higher rate, far higher rate. And so when do we see those lower scores being, um, people with those lower scores being admitted? Um, in large measure as a function of race-based admissions programs. And so those programs designed to help uh, uh, underprivileged uh, communities uh, often wind up hurting them. Because if you get admitted to law school, pay for three years of law school and fail the bar, uh, I think few people would disagree with the notion that that ain't a great deal. Uh, and so I've been writing about this for some time now. Uh, and of course, uh, across the country, you hear uh, people on the left uh, when they uh, read about my articles and I'm not saying it's a lot of people, but when they do, um, uh, coming up with their, uh, you know, twisting explanations. Well, you're just a racist, man. Oh, well, of course. The the IST label comes out. Uh, the race baiting comes out. Uh, but uh, unlike uh, uh, s- some of the meek and the merry, uh, if you want to call me a racist, when my family uh, suffered through uh, the Holocaust um, and, uh, and I've seen discrimination uh, myself and my family has, and I've uh, witnessed it um, my, myself, uh, bring it on because uh, you will lose that battle um, because I will put you in your place and tell you that you are the race baiter that you appear to be. Uh, it's one of the reasons, by the way, President Trump won the presidency uh, because he calls out race baiting. He says, don't call me a racist. Don't Don't race bait me. Uh, and and you see this in particular when they call him an anti-Semite and his son-in-law and daughter are Orthodox Jews and they work right next to him in the White House. So don't call him an anti-Semite. Don't call him the, the only president who had the, uh, may I pause, temerity, and I'm thinking of another word, to move the embassy of Israel, uh, of the U.S. embassy in Israel to the capital city in Israel, Jerusalem, of course. That so, was a past law. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 99 to nothing exactly. in the Senate of the United States. Exactly. And all of these liberal and Republican yep. 
politicians uh, um, uh, paid lip service to it, but never got off their big fat dairy errors and actually did something about it. Um, so to rewind, so I write these articles uh, where, where um, much like when Trump is called an anti-Semite, uh, they, they try to call me names for um, discussing facts, data. Numbers, Dave. Facts do not matter. Have, yeah, yeah. Robert, yeah, sorry. you've been you've been doing this for a long, long exactly, time. Exactly. Numbers, facts, facts come on. mean nothing come on. to the left. Come on. Why why bring up facts when you have when you have um, uh, names when you can call people bad names? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So absolutely uh, call them terrible names. Exactly. So when I submitted the article, uh, it's co-authored uh, to a to a journal, and most law journals are liberal. Um, and we submitted it to a journal, uh, and they said, oh, we like it, but we want to make sure we have a liberal point of view. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah someone can write an, an article later and publish it with you guys. I don't have a problem. No, no, no. We want to wait and then send your article to somebody else so they can write a response. What? That? By the way, unless it's a, a symposium-type issue, that's not what happens. You submit an article, article, either they like it or they don't. If they like it, they publish it. And then if someone reads it and doesn't like it or disagrees, they can write a response and come out in the next issue. But, you know, these the le- leftists need their safe spaces. They need their uh, goose-down uh, weighted blankets uh, and comfort dogs and uh, therapists to come in when they lose an election because they're so distraught they can't eat their strained peas and their liquefied uh, uh, turkey broth. Uh, and so it's time to grow the heck up. It's time, time to person up. Yeah, <laughs> and grow That's a, a nice pair, way of right? It. Grow a pair of whatever you've got a pair of, and step out into society and be an adult for God's sakes. Yeah. Well, that's not happening on the left. Exactly. It is not exactly. happening on the left. A bunch of pacifier-sucking infants uh, walking around in their Furby outfits instead of putting on a suit and tie or a blue collar and a pair of work boots and going to work. All right, so we're going to talk about what's going on on the southern border here in just a moment. We've got a break coming You mean coming chaos? Up. By the yeah, way, chaos? chaos? Hundreds of Tijuana residents congregated around a monument uh, on Sunday to protest the thousands of Central American migrants who have arrived by a caravan in hopes of a new life in the U.S. Okay, now, this is written by the AP. I left out a, a sentence there that didn't need to be in there. Let me read it now the way they exactly they it. wrote right, it. Right. Hundreds of Tijuana residents congregated around a monument in an affluent section of the city south of California Sunday to protest the thousands of Central American migrants who have arrived via caravan in hopes of a new life in the U.S. Why does it matter that it's an affluent neighborhood? It did to the AP reporter. We'll talk about that when we come back, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about why tensions are getting higher and higher. We'll tell you what DHS says about some of the people that are in that caravan, that it's not made up of a majority of women and children, and we'll tell you about, um, you know, Bangladeshis that have been found over trying to come across in Laredo and uh the head of uh, DHS saying that there are some very, very bad people that they are very, very aware of that are in this group. So that's coming your way. 
Uh, Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics wanting you to know uh, that they are very close to getting everything done uh, with the uh, Little Rock location that they started with back in the 80s, now being a state-of-the-art facility with the latest technology in prosthetics and orthotics. Uh, They've got an area specifically designed now for women who have gone through breast cancer, who have lost their breasts, uh, and uh, they can be uh, fitted now with prosthetics, orthotics, uh, in a large new room that gives you all kinds of privacy and comfort. It's not antiseptic. It's it's set up so that you're going to feel very comfortable in it. Got a great new uh, large waiting room. And a new gate room as well. That's a walking room. Uh, It's all because Hortons prides itself on their patient relationships. And keeping their patients happy is their priority. Because Hortons Orthotics and Prosthetics, located in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy, is dedicated to providing a lifetime of support. You're going to love this. You're going to love what's going on in Tijuana. Because that's where the caravan is coming. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me about one of those uh, crazy shows or something. No, no, no. That's all of the And I wasn't going to talk to you. Yeah, you were hey, telling me about you that. You want to talk break, to my you know? sister kind of thing, <laughs> yeah, you know? No. Okay. Uh, tensions have built uh, there as nearly 3,000 migrants from the caravan poured into Tijuana in recent days after more than a month on the road. Many more months uh, ahead of them while they seek asylum. And uh, they're saying that the federal government is saying that there's going to be as many as 10,000 there. Right. And, 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 and I didn't mean to cut you off, Dave. But, but let me, let God, me just please, say this please, part here. It, U.S. Here. border inspectors are processing only about 100 asylum claims a day. And asylum seekers register new names in a tattered notebook managed by migrants themselves that had more than 3,000 names even before the caravan arrived. On Sunday, displeased Tijuana residents waved Mexican flags, sang the Mexican national anthem, and chanted, Out! Out! They accused the migrants of being messy, ungrateful, a danger to Tijuana. They also complained about how the caravan forced its way into Mexico, calling it, an invasion. Oh, my gosh. What's the word again, Dave? Invasion. Oh, my goodness. And they voiced worries that their taxes might be spent to care for the group, saying, we don't want them in Tijuana. Well, they got to be racist, Dave. Those Tijuanans, is that the right way to say it? I guess. Those Mexicans from Tijuana, they've got to be racist. Hold on, folks. I'm being sarcastic, just so you know, because it's on the radio. Um those Mexicans must be racist because they don't want the Guatemalans and the other Hondurans, etc., who are coming up for economic reasons uh, to be passing through and spending time in their city. And therefore, those Mexicans must be racist. That's what they say about the Americans who want to enforce the border, Dave. So let's be consistent now. Is that possible? Is it possible they're racist? Look, Dave, we talked about it a thousand times. Uh, I, I saw interviews with some of those in the caravan, and they said, well, we want to go to America to get jobs and, and have a better life. By the way, I don't blame them. I don't blame them in the least. The only thing is, it ain't legal. You can come. You can apply as, a, as some are doing now with these limited numbers, as you say, for asylum. They don't qualify for asylum. 
Asylum is if you are worried that you're going to be killed in your country. Okay, so where do our American citizens go uh, for asylum? In Honduras, for instance. Right. The murder rate is 43 people per 100,000 residents. That is similar to New Orleans and Detroit. So the, so you're telling me that the Hondurans are leaving Honduras because to, they to come to a murder rate in some cities. How about if we move them to Detroit or move them to uh, New Orleans? They want to come to Little Rock. They want to leave they there. Want, they want to listen to Dave Ellswick worldwide. I, guess. You know? I have no idea. But they can get you on the internet. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> it's just it's just really 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 Look, crazy the, what we're we're seeing. The here. president pointed out that they're flying their home country flags. If you are claiming that your home country is persecuting you, killing you, killing your family, uh, then you're not going to fly that flag. These people are proud uh, citizens of their home countries, seeking to come to the United States for wholly rational reasons because we're better. We're better. Oh, you're not. Wait, Dave. You're wait, not wait, to say wait. You can't can say, say that. that. You can't, can't say it. Don't oh, my, get that's into That's kind of nationalistic. Don't, yeah, don't do yeah, it. Yeah. Don't do it. That's it. I'm sorry, Dave. Hey. Sorry. Truth, what, the truth hurts sometimes. What did what what did the uh, you know twelve year old leader of France? What's his name again? Uh, Macron. What did he, what did he say? Uh, that nationalism is not the same as that's patriotism. patriotism. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's what he said. Right. Because and, and he way, also didn't right. want to talk about that. He only has a twenty five percent approval rate. Right, right Th- that's what I need is a uh, is a language lesson from the French Prime Minister. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows better. By the way, you know, as we they always allowed talk about the, the Nazis to march in the shade. <laughs> I once was was asked about so there was a there was a placard when I was in college on the table for a speech about the French response to the Nazis, and I made some comment like. Um, you know, not much, right? Um, now they did. They did ultimately develop a fairly significant resistance, uh, but the French were not known to have strongly resisted the invasion for whatever reason. Meaning, I'm not sure they were terribly capable of doing so, as opposed to moral. Uh, uh, speaking about moral opposition, but in any event. Um, He's entitled to his view. He's entitled to give a speech about his view. But he's also entitled to be wrong. That's the beauty of the First Amendment and the equivalent wherever it is that is the freedom of speech is that he's wrong. There's nothing uh, 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 unpatriotic about nationalism. Now, if you use nationalism for bad reasons, then it's bad. But the notion – listen, when I hire a lawyer – and I've hired lawyers, and I am a lawyer, and I've hired lawyers. Their job is to do one thing, represent their me. Their client. Right. And, and since I'm the client, represent me. That's their job. To the best I, of their ability. That's it. I don't hire, the, hire them to represent the system or to represent the other side or for all for all of us to hold hands and sing kumbaya and look for rainbows and, and, and hug uh, bunny rabbits. I, re, I hire them to represent me and you know what you do when you hire a chief executive officer of this country known as the president you hire him to represent us not the french not the canadians not the mexicans not the russians not anybody else he represents us that doesn't mean you bomb france that doesn't mean you stick an eye uh, excuse me stick a finger in the eye of the uh, prime minister of canada it just means that the president's job is to represent us that's what nationalism is dave and these leftists are so uh, uh 
pan-nationalist. They're so beyond the notion of borders. They're globalists. They're globalists. They don't believe in countries anymore. Exactly. They are absolutely globalists. I have no desire to be a globalist. And and by the way, I'm not... I'm not saying they're they're evil for being globalists. They're just wrong. Well, they're evil if they want to take what we can do for our own country and give it to other countries. Well, that's you know, you got problems right? with that. Right? How many times have you been, oh, well, these people in the caravan, et cetera, they, they're, in, they're in a bad way. Yeah, I agree. They are in a bad way. There are millions, if not billions of people on this planet who are in a bad way. And we've got 350 million people in this country, roughly, obviously. And those are who the president of the United States should be concerned with, yep. number one. Plain and simple. I'm sorry. That's how it works. That's what it means to take care of your family first, to take care of your community first, and to take care of your country first. Yeah, when I, when I look at uh, my own life, and you take it down into the microcosm of uh, – a typical American. I've got a family, and I've got borders of the of from the uh, the land that I own. Yeah, you got a, you got a and lock I on got your door, home. don't you? Yeah, and right? I got locks on my door. You and close your windows my at night. Number my first and number one responsibility is to take care of my family. That's it. Now, Dave, well, do I take care of other families? Yes, we do. You. Of course, you we do. help other families. We yeah. we we reach out to other people. But if I do not take care of my own family, my Bible tells me I'm no better than a pagan. Yeah, yeah. And and you take care of your family first. Yes, you know? absolutely. It's that simple. That's it's why that it's simple. wrong for the government to take the first bite out of your food That's right. uh, dollar at the, at the grocery store. That's it's right. wrong. That's right. It's, it's absolutely right. Look, Dave, I've been on your show for many years now, and as you know, I did – the last two years via phone because I took off from work um, to care of your mom to take care of my mom because it's my mom because yeah. I take care of my family and President Trump takes care of his hired family the people of the United States of America He's and not, by the way if, yeah. if you had sent a personal letter to the Mexican president you think yeah. that he would take care of your yeah, mom right, instead right. Of, exactly is he I taking care it. of my mom exactly so these limousine liberal hypocrites who roll around in their expensive cars and live in their gated communities and then tell you you don't need a gun because the world is so safe when they have their private personal bodyguards. Uh, uh, the, the bottom line is that they're a bunch of hypocrites and we need to take care of our own. All right. News is next. I got to tell you, I, I am so thankful that uh, Sunny's Auto Salvage taking good care uh, of my car. Uh, over the weekend, it started making a noise. And you know I had a new uh, had this transmission put in. Today, Sunny's took it. They figured out what the problem was. Had to do something with the type of uh, transmission fluid. Uh, they've drained it. They've refilled it. Now, here's what RD did. He says, Dave, I, he gave me a car to drive today. He says, I want you to keep that car, and uh, I'll bring your car back tomorrow because he's on my power panel. He says, here's what I want to do. I want to change everything out, and then I want to have the car, when it's cold in the morning, and drive it 
all through the day until I come over at 2 o'clock just to make sure it's absolutely right on. And so, uh, you know, I can't argue with that. I got I got a way of getting in and out from work and all that. So um, I just wrote back and said, sure, no problem. Had that something to, to do with the exact kind of transmission fluid they used. He, he thinks they may have used um, something that was not as good as what they should have used. So he didn't want to use anything inferior, and he refuses to use anything ref- inferior. So they're uh, they're getting it all up to snuff. That's great. What was so funny, I took the car to him today. I got over there, didn't make a noise. I drove all the way from my house to his, it, his It's place like when you go to the dentist, right? The tooth doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, there was no no problem whatsoever, and he he just was adamant that I leave the car there, take care of it. Because he pulled out and looked at the, at the fluid. He says, eh, he says, I'm looking at this. He says, I, you won't see it, Dave. And he showed it to me. He says, but I'm looking at that. And he can tell. And there's a little bit of foam on that that you can't tell, but I can. He says, we need to get that taken care of. So it's hmm. taken care of it. It's going to be 100%. That's what sets Sonny's auto salvage apart. I'm using a well-maintained uh, transmission from a total lost vehicle. It's got a three-year parts and labor unlimited mileage warranty on it. Anything goes wrong, they fix it wherever it's at in the country. Give them a call. Talk to them about it. And it doesn't have to be a transmission. You could be putting a motor in, you know, mounts or whatever you're doing uh, for your car. 982-7451. That's RD and his good folks over at Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right. So I was telling um, Robert about this stuff about uh, the border. Now, we we, yeah. we were talking just a moment ago about Tijuana yeah. and the uh, the invasion coming it's up from Central America. Okay. It's absolute lawlessness. Let me take you to Laredo, Texas. Mm-hmm. All right. Another big border crossing mm-hmm. area. It ended uh, their fiscal year 2018, which ended on September 30th. Everybody thinks that everybody's coming across the border is a, you know, Mexican, Guatemalan, Honduran, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know where Bangladesh is, right? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, it's all over <laughs> in, in Africa. Right. 668 Bangladeshi migrants have been arrested this year. It's up nearly 270% over 2017. The sector led the nation in the apprehension of these migrants who paid up to $27,000 each to be moved into the United States by whom? Cartel-connected human smugglers. Mm-hmm. Tells you a lot right there, does mm-hmm. it not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it not tell you a lot that the cartel are trolling out there in Africa to bring people well, and, into the United and States? Even if they're not, right? Even if they're just bringing people in from Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, is that not enough? If you have open borders, which is what the left wants, then... What's to stop uh, criminals are coming in? Oh, wait a second. You mentioned the word criminal and you talked about the border. You're racist, Dave. You're yeah, racist. Well, yeah, right? if I want to talk about facts, right. Right. I'm racist. Yeah, well, That's the way it always works. Stop letting the facts get in the way of your argument, yeah. say the left. Yeah. 
You know, these people are coming to the border when they know they don't have valid asylum claims. And so, by the way, some of them are misled and, and, and told, oh, you can get asylum just because you want work. But a lot of them know they have no asylum claims. It's just sheer lawlessness at this point. Well, more than 500 criminals are traveling with uh, the small group of migrants that just moved in uh, in San Diego. That's 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. 500 of them are criminals. <laughs> That's a high percentage well, of and, people. And the left will tell you, but it's a lower percentage than some other group of uh, that has criminals. I don't care yeah. because if you close the border uh, to illegal immigration, then you have no illegal immigra- immigrants and as a consequence, no illegal criminals coming in. So – if we know that there's 500 of them that are criminals and that – and when I talk criminal, I'm not talking about they littered, all right? Right. Uh, we're talking about people murder, rape, pillage, and, and steal and whatever. Uh, this revelation was made during a conference call with reporters from DHS with officials asserting that, quote, most of the caravan members are not women and children. They claim the group is mostly made up of single adult or teen males – and that the women and children have been pushed to the front of the line in a bid to garner sympathetic media coverage. We've talked about that before. Well, and I, I've seen videos, and I can't tell you it's most, not most, but there are a lot of young men in that group, I'll tell you that. All legal options are on the table. We've been negotiating with all our partners in Central America with ways to deal with the caravan, one official said, when asked about reports that the U.S. government is planning to make asylum seekers remain on the Mexican side of the border while their claims are being reviewed. Rightly so. You don't enter into our country. Homeland Security officials say they are cur- there are currently 6,000 people now in Tijuana waiting to be processed at the border crossing That's with more on the people. way. Those who have already entered the border city in the past few days have been met with an icy reception. Mm-hmm. The group's members by Americans, are, Dave. No, by no. Tijuanans. No, the group's members are also coming to the realization that they could be stuck on that unwelcoming side of the fence for months if they try to enter America the legal way. Adding to the increasingly certainty of the group's situation, U.S. Border Patrol temporarily closed all northbound lanes today at the port of entry. As the U.S. continues to position additional port hardening materials. Unfortunately, some members of the invasion are purposely causing disruptions at our border ports of entry. There is a legal and illegal way to enter the U.S. We have deployed additional forces to protect our uh, borders, said Lennon Herrera Bartez, a 20 year old who left Honduras with his wife and two year old son. Ask this question of the New York Times. We have to wait for how long? We don't have the money to stay here for one month, two months. Another migrant, 24-year-old Jose Nunez, told the newspaper, quote, if I die on the way, at least I will have fought for something after spending a few days in a shelter in Tijuana. Demonstrators with signs that read in Spanish, no more caravans and let's save Tijuana, no more caravans, stood up in front of the migrants. U.S. border inspectors are already processing about 100 asylum claims per day. Asylum seekers are registering their names 
in a notebook. The arrivals are expected to continue throughout today into the week ahead. Most of a group of 3,400 migrants who were last in the border city of Mexicali should make it to Tijuana today. Um, and uh, Tijuana Mayor Juan Manuel Gastelum, who has referred to the arrivals as bums and questioned whether a referendum in the city of 1.6 million is needed to determine whether or not they should be allowed to stay. Just saying. Dave. People are getting fed up with this. Many of these people were offered asylum in Mexico from Guatemala, Honduras, etc., and they turned it down. Wait a second. If you're fleeing persecution in Guatemala, are you telling me that the persecution extends to Mexico, but not the United States? Is that the claim? Look, there is no such claim for the vast majority of these people. The vast majority of these people quite openly will tell you the truth. We want to come to America because it's the greatest country in the world and we can get work and we can get a better living environment and we can do better for our family. That's right. And I'm sympathetic. The problem is it's illegal unless you go through the proper channels. And I'm sympathetic as well. But we cannot take in every person who is looking for a better life. The math doesn't work. We have 350 million people in this country. There are billions of people on this planet. We cannot be a giant magnet of uh, of a welfare state for the world to give people greater opportunities. We cannot absorb all of those people. That's why we have a regulated immigration system like virtually every developed country in this world. But the left wants to abandon that because they are globalists and because they also believe that people that come in through illegal immigration will vote democratic well it's just it's it's remarkably cynical and misguided at the same time it's it, it, it's the left has managed to stumble onto being both wrong and idealistically uh, uh, um, in the clouds at the same time I had a uh Ed Monk just got a hold of me. Yeah. Says, hey, Dave, how many criminals and mental patients did we allow to enter the U.S. during the Cuban boat lift? We should not oh, relearn yeah. that hard lesson. Well, you remember what happened during – Ed Monk is right on the money. You remember what happened during the uh, the Cuban um, is it boat lift? Is that the right term? When, when – uh, um, Castro opened the doors of the prisons and the insane asylums. That's it. Right? And he That's what we're talking all, about. Right? And he sent them all to uh, Florida. And we had such uh, uh, misguided laws at the time because we thought the only people that would come uh, out of Cuba were... Uh, Good people. Po- well, and political opposition types. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't realize that Castro would be smart enough. We foolishly, it's our fault, didn't realize... That was a Marielle bolt lift. Right. Right, didn't realize that all all he had to do was open up the the gates of the prisons and the insane asylum and, and asylums and send them all here, and that's exactly what he did. You know what movie that was based on? Based that all on? No, Scarface. Oh, Scarface. Yeah, of course. That's what so, it was? Right. Not right. saying that everybody who came from Cuba. No, of course not. Was um, you know the guy from Scarface? I'm oh, no, just there saying was, there were some. The, I mean, the whole yeah, thing about right. Miami Vice and right, all of right, that, right. and all the drug problems that were going on down there, a lot of that, those people went to work for the cartel. Right, right. The way it was. Okay, we got to get a break in. Okay.
Got to do that. We'll come back. When we return, I had something here that I saw that I wanted to talk about, and we will talk about it when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to remind you, Arrow Plumbing, get a hold of them, uh, get their phone number and all the rest, arrowplumbing.net, arrowplumbing.net. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they provide, they will refund all of your money. It's why I use them, not just because of their 100% satisfaction guarantee, but knowing that they have that, their people come to your home, they do an outstanding job so that you don't have anything to say you didn't like about what they did. 100% satisfaction guarantee, aeroplumbing.net. All right, back with you. Final few moments of this hour, about eight minutes left. Coming up in the next hour, Conduit News. Joe and Brenda will be with us. We'll talk a little bit about Medicaid expansion, and uh, we will talk also uh, about uh, taxes. You know, the, uh, the uh, governor's budget that he came out with on Friday, about $125 million more than it was the year before. We can talk about that. I talked about it some in the first hour. If you missed mm-hmm. it, go back and listen to the first hour of the show because Acre was here from uh, University of Central Arkansas, and they did a very good uh, hour slot with us here uh, here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Here is something that all of those folks that went out and voted Democratic in uh, the last election, I guess didn't understand what was going to happen because the people who, who ran uh, for the Democrats ran on trying to reverse the Republican tax cut, uh, etc. Goldman Sachs believes the U.S. economy will slow significantly in the second half of next year because the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates and, uh, and the effects of the tax cut will fade because the majority that controls the house that's not what they're interested in is keeping the economy blowing along they say that growth is likely to slow significantly next year from a recent pace of three and a half uh, percent to roughly 1.75 percent is their estimate by end of 2019 that's half half because they're going to try to throw a wet blanket on the economy, and then they're going to try to blame it on the president as we go into an election year in 2020. I'm just warning you, it's coming now. Right. It is It is coming now. So all of the money you've been making in your 401k and all of those things is going to slow. The bank sees the economy expanding at 2.5% in the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, real GDP growth will come in at 2.5 in the first quarter of 2019, but then we'll slow 2.2, 1.8, 1. 1.6 over the next three quarters. And Goldman sees the Fed raising rates this December and then four more times in 2019. It will do so uh, because inflation will reach two and a quarter percent by the end of next year because of increasing wages. The uh, bank predicted, noting there was also a chance of a, quote, inflation overshoot. Now, if it's an overshoot, then all bets are off. It's their way of CYA right exactly. there. 
With a large overshoot of its labor market target underway, the FOMC will likely be reluctant to stop until it is confident that the unemployment rate is no longer on a downward trajectory, a point we expect to reach only in early 2020. But the bank doesn't believe growth will actually turn negative anytime soon. No, we're going to continue. This will be the longest growth expansion in the course of United States history and will continue in subsequent years. Recession is not our base case. So the president's setting us up well for the Mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. Question is, will the Democrats try to still, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory? Yeah, yeah. Because they want to give everything away. Oh, by the way, Cortez couldn't name the three branches of government this year. Really? Just uh, just the other day. Does she know the one she's in? Uh, probably not. <laughs> it's remarkable. Probably not. It's remarkable. Maybe she can do another sit-in. In, in but this. I'm just telling you, right. the, the Democrats are going to do everything they can to slow the economy down because they're not going to pay any attention to it. Well, and they don't want to, the 2020 election for the president to run on the great economy that now exists. Yes. You know, so. So they're, uh, yeah. they're happy with Absolutely. what Obama said that we would have, you know, yeah. one and a half percent. They're exactly. happy with that. Exactly. And, you know, his new normal, his one and a half percent. Think about why Obama said that. Because when you're a globalist and you've got to fund basically the welfare state across the world, you know, you can't have the type of growth that you would if you were representing the people of the United States of America. That's the difference right there. And so. Of course, he, he, he suggests his low growth, but we see the difference now, right? Two years in office. And by the way, did you hear uh, Obama? He said, oh, well, all of this is because of the policies I put in place. Yeah. Huh. It's remarkable. Yeah. He, he, he blamed <laughs> Bush for, for two to four years uh, of his- Of terrible stuff. Exactly. And now he's taking credit uh, on the other side. It's really remarkable. This guy has uh, these tentacles that can reach around administrations. <laughs> I like that. You like the tentacles? That's very good. I like Thank that you. tentacle. It's very, very true. It's some kind of Maybe I'll trademark thing. it, like, like make America great again or something. Yeah, maybe. Right. Maybe. I'm not- it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, anyway, just to let you know that keep your eyes open about that. I don't worry about Arkansas. Right. I mean, that showed in the last election. But when I watch uh, a whole area of California that had been a uh, bastion of Republicans, solid red, turned solid blue in this last election, Orange County. Right. Uh, with all of the different programs that Governor Moonbeam has come right, up right, with right. that is just driving people. Maybe they just all packed up and left. I don't know. Well, but, you know, the, the leftists up in the uh, the Soviet Republic uh, by the University of Fayetteville. Yeah, Northwest you know, Arkansas. Right, yeah. uh, they ousted Charlie Collins, who, yeah. you know, was a great legislator. That was one win for them. It was. And, uh, of course, he was the one who brought about the outstanding bill that we colloquially call campus carry, which is really extended carry uh, because the concealed carry regime had a whole host of restrictions, including the Capitol, including university campuses. And uh, now if you get an enhanced carry license, which simply means you have to take an additional class, it's it's nothing too uh, onerous, um, then you can carry. You can walk into the Capitol uh, with your license and your firearm. You can walk on the grounds of a university campus. But, 
Yeah. All of that may be for naught after that last case that was right. about evidence that's that right. turned into oh, that's a right. big win on the gun side. I think we're From the very, very court, very, very close to the whole thing of constitutional, constitutional carry. carry. I hope so. I hope so, too. All right, so, let's get a break in. Yes. When we come back, Conduit News will be with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour, Dave Ellswick Show on a Monday, and uh, good stuff going along here today. We've had great programs thus far, and it's going to be even better as we get into the final hour here because folks from Conduit News join us. Uh, Brenda and Joe will be here, so uh, Robert Steinbach has uh, agreed to stick or stick around for a while. I'm here as well. Because i got to stick around. I'm supposed to direct this ship, supposedly. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about some different things. We're going to talk about some things happening here in the state. And then let's talk about some things that are happening in the United States. And then we'll finish up talking about what's going on on the border. Because it's important that we know what's going on in the border. Because more and more migrants are, are, are illegal. Uh, migrants are, are massing at the border. And... We just saw a story saying that the uh, the head of uh, uh, DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security, said that they had uh, closed down the border today because they had uh, good uh, intelligence, intelligence that the uh, migrants were going to rush the border today and try to force their way into the United States. It's really remarkable. And uh, so they, they just shut the border down. Said, As they nope, should. Can't come in. Nobody's coming in. And did, did you guys see the video today of uh, the people in Tijuana telling telling them to go home? I did not. No, we've got a job. <laughs> nah, so do I, but mine gets lets me watch the news all the time. So yeah, absolutely. The, but, but, but I remember my son in high school telling me that his his ideal job was in security. And I asked him what kind of security, and he said he had hoped that somebody would pay him to lay on their couch and watch their TV so no one could steal it. <laughs> that would be a good security job, I have to uh, be honest with you. I think I could I could get in there. probably end up working for the government. Yeah, they might have some. for the go- Well, they've got ones watching uh, shrimp run on uh, treadmills. <laughs> I mean, that's serious. Did you Have you guys ever read that, that study that the university had? Yeah, they they actually had shrimp running on treadmills. It was really, really well, really weird. By the way, uh, uh, Robert Steinbach is here. Robert is a law professor at UALR, and in the uh, uh, couple of times uh, each hour, I have to say that his opinion is his and his alone and not necessarily those of UALR and the Bowen School of Law, and I think most of you who listen to the show know why as you listen to what, uh, what Robert has to say. Let's start off by uh, talking about local and start off by talking about taxes because that's going to be the topic that is going to take up a good portion of the 2019 general uh, session that will start on January 14th. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to let Joe start here today, Brenda, and uh, Joe, your thoughts about about all that? Well, it never ceases to amaze me how creative our legislature and the executive branch in our state is uh, about convincing you that they're cutting your taxes while at the same time raising them. Uh, it, they're they're very creative at that. 
But I think that we, those of us who, who have watched this for, for many, many years, uh, have a clear understanding that the Medicaid expansion that we picked to do as optional, uh, we chose to do it as a state, has the chickens have come home to roost. And that is going to cause some problems, which were very foreseeable yes. uh, in, in the budget. So they'll go from, you know, we're going to cut your taxes to we're going to have to have Internet sellers pay the fair share on the on the taxes. We're going to have to raise our gas taxes and Medicaid expansion keeps rolling on uh, and all the corruption that it has brought to our state. And, and I think it's important that for for your audience to just kind of recap the private option and the Medicaid expansion. It was an optional program, part of Obamacare, that went to the Supreme Court, and they decided, they ruled that it was an option for the states. You could, you, the federal government could not force you to expand your Medicaid roles, which is welfare. So Arkansas, in its wisdom, chose to do that. But not only did they choose to do it, but they chose to do it with a vehicle in which they used a private company, Blue Cross Blue Shield or other insurance companies, and they bought insurance premiums. So Insurance policies. Yeah, they, they bought insurance policies. And strangely enough, we tax insurance policies, so there was another benefit to doing that. And I would dare say that maybe the majority of the people who got these policies didn't even know they had them. So they never used them, but the state paid or the federal government paid the full um, insurance premium, and everybody made money. Now, if we can remember, it was sold as all this uncompensated care. People that go to the emergency room, they go to doctors, hospitals, and they don't pay. Well, that, that number was estimated at about $200 million. Some people said 400, some people said 180. We've written several articles at Conduct for Action about that. Uh, but let's just take the higher figure, if you like. Well, our 10% share is going to approach that same number. Now, we're solving, we have solved a $200 million problem with $2 billion of federal money. And if that doesn't sound like a government program, I don't know what does. You know, plus all the corruption, because there's so much money. And, and I, I, I defy any of your, your listeners anywhere in the state to show a place where they're not building medical clinics or building, adding on to hospitals, the occupancy rates are going down. And we've, we have now overbuilt, because of all this tsunami of money that's hit the state, we've overbuilt hospitals in capacity. And the next crisis will be the hospitals are going to have to close unless we raise taxes. Now, that might be two or three years down the road, but that's what's coming. But long story short, we put ourselves by our choice as a, as a state in the position of having to come up with this $200 million every year for this Medicaid program that was not necessary. But the right people made the right amount of money and made the right donations to make that happen. Now, dovetail with that, we're going to do the same exact thing again with the Internet tax. It's an optional thing. The Supreme Court has said that, yes, states can charge tax on Internet sales. But they don't have to. They don't have to. Just like Medicaid expansion. You just don't like, have to. Just like the Medicaid expansion. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be great for Walmart because 
they're they're just going to have a, a, a less of a a barrier for or customers to want to go on the internet to buy because they're going to pay the, the sales tax, which they get nothing in return for, by the way. Whereas with a brick and mortar store, you get the police and fire protection and um, all these other services that a brick and mortar business requires. An out of state company government. does not require. So you know that all their arguments are bogus again. But most people won't pay attention long enough to get past. Well, it's only fair. Well, well only and the fact is, you guys know this. That that you guys know that the problem is that you hear people, particularly on the left, but unfortunately it bleeds over. Where they talk, well, we need more money because we have to do this program, and we have this other, and these other people they need this and they need that. And the fact is that for many of us, uh, taxation is already too high. We there's only so much money we take in. We earn it all. And the, the left keeps telling us how little of it is a function of our efforts, our endeavors. And it's, oh, the government built that road for you, and therefore <laughs> you owe them uh, 80, 90, 95% of all of your efforts, all of your work. And the fact is, uh, many of us work very hard, and we'd like to take home our money. And, you know, when we start surpassing, and we have already, just to be clear, surpassed that over half of our money doesn't go in our pockets. It goes to state taxes, federal taxes, FICA taxes, sales taxes, gas taxes, and other usage taxes. Oh, and don't forget real estate taxes and car tax in Arkansas. When you start to cross at, and this is a high number, 50% of your money doesn't go into your pocket. I don't care anymore how much so-called need there is out there. At some point, I would like to keep some of what my efforts uh, produce. And that's the tragedy. That and, and even people on the right have not been willing enough uh, to stand up and say, look, I understand there are needs in society. Not all of those needs will be met because I need to keep a sufficient portion of my efforts when it's converted to income. Thank you very much. You're just greedy, Robert. Greedy. Well, you know, earlier we talked about how anybody that opposes the left is a racist. Now anybody that opposes the left uh, is greedy. You know, keep piling on the insults. We'll keep electing the presidents. Thank you very much. Hey, look, I've got... I've got one of the greediest people in Arkansas on the other end of this telephone. Isn't right that now. crazy, Joe? Joe. Joe is greedy. I'm telling you, he owns a business, and because oh because he owns a business, he's greedy. Joe, you charge people money for your goods and services. <laughs> is that what you do? I do. I That's do. crazy. I, I, yeah, that that whole. Uh Slavery thing, I just can't get into it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, one, just... one thing that's happened to our culture, and, and, and you know, all four of us still have a memory of uh, owning your own uh, fruit of your own effort. Absolutely. And much of our culture now doesn't even understand that concept. Nope. Nope. You know, I was talking to Robert today off, off the air, not on the air, is that, you know, here in America, a lot of us are sitting back and going, Man, what the crap happened to our country? I remember when people wanted to work. They wanted to make a way. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. What has happened? And I'm going to tell you what's happened. And people hate going to hate what I'm going to say. But the bottom line is the American people believed the, the story that was spun for them about education. 
and they believed that the American education system was going to teach their children. Well, they taught them all right. Oh, they, but they, indoctrinated. Ta- they indoctrinated them on a leftist uh, philosophy, and now you've got a bunch of a little brown shirts, and you don't understand where they came from. It came through our own education, uh, you know, our own schools. And I, I know that's going to tick a lot of teachers off and stuff, but it's the truth. Well, explain to me, Dave, why the left, if let's say you have, I, I don't want to pick on a company, uh, a, a Walmart, let's say, take Walmart, but just, I'm making this up, Walmart, I shop at Walmart, I like Walmart. Let's say Walmart, <laughs> right? Let's say Walmart didn't have, had, had fewer women than it did men working, or fewer this than that. You would hear the left say, it's sexism, it's racism. They, they, there's no way that can be the case unless someone is discriminating against them, right? And then you'd hear it in the school system. Right. But here's the thing in the school system. Why is it that over 95% of academics from kindergarten up are leftists, are dyed in the wool, indoctrinate their children and students, leftists? Explain that. But that's not, that's not bias. That's not discrimination against conservatives. Conservatives apparently are dummies that don't want to be educated and don't want to become professors. What am I? Yeah. So part of the reason is, you know, in in our lifetime, eight years is not very long. But when you're talking about a 25 or a 30 year old, and eight years of their life has been spent with the Obama administration and Mm -hmm. those uh, principles put in place and in action, and then we wonder why the millennials don't have the work ethic that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a you know long part of their life when people have not really worked like they used to. Well, I would I would add to this that you know, I I tell people at, at work a lot that you know our customers will not pay us for effort; they pay us for a result. You know, I, I tried to make this for you, but it just didn't work out. Here's your bill. Uh, you know, forget that. They only pay for results; they don't pay for effort. Now, take that same philosophy and apply it to government. Uh, well, we've got to help the poor, or we've got to help the immigrants, or we've got to help the elderly. Okay, well, when are you going to actually produce a result? Because I'm tired of paying for their effort because they've not fixed one problem. And the proof of that is they continually need more money, not less money. Yeah, and they never are accountable for a result. Right, and, and there, there's no results. And the problem never gets worse because if it, I mean, it gets be- never gets better because if it did, they would say, hey, we don't need as much. Half the people are off welfare now. So quit paying people for a bad result over and over and over again. And expecting a different They have the gall to ask for more money every year to fix the problem that you already paid them to fix. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. We got Joe. We got Brenda. Conduitnews.com. I suggest you go to that website at least every other day. Don't forget. From uh, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., it's the Paul Harrell Show, which is a part of ConduitNews.com. We'll be back with them. We'll be back with Robert Steinbach and yours truly after these. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show about 26 minutes after 5. Joe and Brenda from Conduit News. By the way, I want uh, Mother Government coffee cup, guys. All right. I saw I saw the coffee one. Yeah, those coffee cups are pretty nice. By the way, you can go to conduitnews.com, get you a mother government uh, coffee cup, which has uh, got state capital and got a 
got a baby bottle and uh, all the things that uh, so you can go and get on the nipple of state government, things of that nature. Uh, you got what? You got one at the state capitol or something like that. I, uh, the Marble Palace. The Marble Palace. Yeah, that's what we all affectionately call uh, the state capitol, the Marble Palace. And, and and people who start going in as conservatives and suddenly turn liberal, we say that they have marble fever. Absolutely. And they do. They get it. Is that not right, Joe? We've seen some good men and women who went in very conservative who uh, became, if not purple, uh, became almost blue. Well, you are experiencing a live picture of what someone does who owns a business. He was called by his uh, company manager, and he went to take the call outside and isn't back yet. Well, hey, so, I'm all know. about that. Yeah. You tell him, Dave, don't mind. Make money. That's what. That's what. A, that, well, that's why well, you have a business, for goodness' sake. And this is the difference between the leftists and, and and those on the right. The leftists want government to absorb all risk, but government doesn't exist in a vacuum. That means I've got to pay for all risk. I've got to fund. What was that Obama, uh, um, the uh, the uh, Solar Vision company that went belly up? Solandra. 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 And I'm paying for it. I'm not interested in in subsidizing. Salindra. Joe wants to run a business? God bless him. Joe wants to make money? God bless him. And I hope he makes as much money as he can. And guess what? If he doesn't and there's a loss, Joe eats it. Not me. I ain't investing in it. It's not on me. And big government, which is leftism, wants you and I to pay for their ventures, for their kooky ideas. And I'm tired. Speaking of, did you see in yesterday's paper the Osceola plant that recycled computers and all to get the gold out? And uh, they're they're missing their aims from 2014. You know, we're looking at 35 million dollars, uh, most of which was or over 50 percent was put in by the Teacher Retirement Fund and oh Arkansas Economic Development and all this government money. Oh and now they are just you know sitting there with no employees, not doing anything. And I wrote on the article, it's funny you should say that, Arkansas Solyndra, you know. Yeah, so that's that exactly right. That's paper. That's the Arkansas Economic Development Con- the people at their finest. That's yeah. what they know about business. All right, so let me ask both of you. We, I'm going to bring this up. We'll, bring, we'll come back and talk about it. Did you all see, and what a big surprise this is, I brought this up earlier, that uh, Oak Lawn has announced a $100 million expansion a new hotel, uh, gaming spaces are going to be uh, expanded because we put their name in the Constitution and gave them a huge boondoggle because the people of Arkansas did not understand that they weren't just voting on, uh, you know, gambling and casinos, but they were given a sweetheart deal to uh, a couple of main companies. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. I got to get to the news. Let's do that. And then we'll come back and tell you that, you know, Oakland, they're going to make out like just good things. All right, back with you and with us, uh, Joe and Brenda with Conduit News, conduitnews.com. Don't forget about Paul Harrell's show every morning, 6A to 8A, right here on. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Paul is the, the radio outreach of uh, basically Conduit News. So, guys, 
Were you all surprised? I mean, when you opened your paper today and you were reading the news story in it, and it said that Oaklawn was going to spend $100 million to have a big old hotel and more gaming space, you know, for the people that are in central Arkansas. Wasn't that a big surprise to you all? Well, I don't read the paper. I don't buy the paper. So I'm taking your word for what was said. Okay. Uh, but it's not a surprise. I mean, that was that was baked in the cake a year ago when they started getting signatures. Yep. I mean, I remember them objecting to the other uh, initiative. So, you know, I, I would assume, like Joe says, that was part of the deal. Yeah, it's, a, it's, that's it's really, really incredible. what needs is more gambling and bigger because, you know, <laughs> sarcastic. That's, that's creating jobs and economic activity. Yeah, well, here's my, my so it was my my argument from the very beginning. If they want to, if they wanted to put on the ballot that uh, Arkansas would allow casino gambling, uh, I could have probably voted for that because that's up to a person what they want to do with their own money, as far as I'm concerned. However, when you want to put something on the ballot and you say. Well, we can have four casinos in Arkansas. Two of them we already have, the Dog Track in West Memphis and Oaklawn in Hot Springs, and they're going to get a big old bunch of money right up front, and we're going to put their names inside the Arkansas Constitution. I don't even say no. I say, heck no. Well, maybe that will be challenged on that basis. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a done deal. Uh, I, I, it would seem that it would have been challenged Beforehand. before it was even yeah. put on the ballot. Not I don't see won. why it wasn't. But the bottom well, line. true, but you've got to think about who has the incentive and then the money to do the challenging. I mean, and, that, and that's where the people lose. The ethics oh, yeah. uh, bill, you know, issue three that John Woods proposed, and you see it was never challenged. And we see in this last ruling, the Supreme Court said, had someone challenged it, yeah, I think it was... Uh, it's me. I forget. I, forget I, cha- I talked yeah. to two Supreme Court justices about there being so many things in that ballot measure, and I said, I thought about challenging, and I just didn't have, you know, the money to go out and get a lawyer and or somebody who wanted to do pro bono or whatever. And they told me if you had done that, it would have probably been tossed off the ballot. Hmm. Well, but who has that incentive to do that for nothing in return except yeah. their liberty? Concentrated benefits and dispersed costs. Yeah, I mean, well, well, and that's what conduit is, is. That's its mission to do things of that nature because no one else is. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, next time that I need to do that, I'm going to turn my attention to Robert Steinbach, and he can Uh-oh. he can do it. Good luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good luck. <laughs> he, can, he can do it. He goes out and gets lawyers, even. Well, I, I'm just saying, it, it, it could have been defeated, and I've made this promise to myself. If there's something onerous about the uh, uh, initiated act again like that. I I don't know how I'll do it. If I got to just go to my listeners and ask them to help put up the money for it, we're going to try to stop it. Well, why don't you just direct them to the Conduit News Store and they can buy a Marble Palace mug, and that'll that'll go a long way. I already been talking about those. He mentioned that a few minutes ago. He he already plugged our mugs. Yeah, I got to get me one. I want to get the one that says. Uh, you know, mother, the mother government one, the one that you got uh, the baby bottle on. I like that one. Do you yeah, guys? Those are, 
those are pretty funny. And Paul's got some really good parodies on Conduit News. Do you guys uh, uh, fund uh, opposition to ballot initiatives and that kind of thing? Well, I don't know if you'd call it funding, but, but we've certainly put a lot of effort into what we believe in is mm-hmm. more freedom and educating less people. Right. Yeah. Edu- right. You right. guys do so much education stuff that's really, really good. That's why people should go to conduitnews.com and read the articles that you have. Did you all read the uh, art? Well, it just came out today. You may not have been given it yet. Uh, Government Accountability, Five Fixes for Arkansas's Quick Action Closing Fund by Jacob Bundrick uh, from Acre. I had him on today in the first hour. Excellent, excellent What things that he was saying about throwing money at companies to try to get them to come and uh, locate in your state. Well, I mean, let's go over it. Let's review. <laughs> the unemployment rate is at record low. Yes. Where are they going to find employees? Yeah. You're going to give them money, which I've paid in taxes. Tax dollars. Yes. And then you're going to pay the company to come here. Because you've lowered their cost to operate, they're going to be able to take my employees, offer them $20 more an hour. With and, your and, money. With my money. And then entice them away. And then they're going to claim victory that they created a job. And then I'm going to close. That's the way that works. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, Bundrick knows that. Well, and you can't have it both ways. You can't have the lowest unemployment on record, and then we've got to have more money to give to Chinese companies to move here to hire people. You can't have it both ways. Well, we have low unemployment, but we also have the the highest non-working number. You know, that, right, that the goes lowest up, labor yeah. participation uh-huh. rate, and, uh-huh. and it's not because they can't find a job, because I've got 10 of them available today. Yeah. You and so many other companies. Yeah, uh, everybody I know probably could hire 10% more people than they've got, but they can't find them. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't. those people don't want jobs, man. They want to hand <laughs> out. Our comments earlier, <laughs> eight years of not working. Yeah, it's, yep. it's really amazing. I mean, we're about we're left with the residue, and we, we listen to these politicians – over and over again, say their little lines that they believe in all this stuff, and you give them a three-quarter majority in the House and the Senate, and you give them all the constitutional offices and the governorship, and you get the same thing, tax and spend. We were talking to someone this week who said, well, you have to do it because the other states are doing it. And I said, why don't we reduce or eliminate corporate income tax, tax on businesses, and let our current businesses that are here thrive and, and grow? And it's, isn't it the same thing? We don't need, um, you know, car manufacturing companies moving here. Who would they hire? Uh, hey, Jacob made this statement. He said that the, when they did their study, and they looked at it very, very closely, and uh, uh, they got this in a booklet now. I'd, I'd get a hold of them and ask for them to send you a copy of it. Uh, and he made the statement. He said that money that they're giving away, uh, bottom line is it wasn't the deciding factory, uh, factor deciding that somebody was coming here. They didn't. The money didn't mean anything to them. Let me give you something they gave to me, $185.7 million dollars is the total amount that was appropriated to this fund, which is the, uh, of course, uh, Quick Action Closing Fund, total amount appropriated to the fund since its inception in 2007, 
That is the number of job creation or retention projects funded in part by the uh, Quick Action Closing Fund. So in 11 years, 85 people got some money of $185.7 million. 21,000. Like yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a win, does it? I'll make sure I keep 85 people employed for 10 years. Doesn't, other, doesn't sound like a win to me. Well, the other piece of interesting information is trying to get the numbers on those on those dollars after they go to the companies. You know, oh, proprietary, we can't ask them how many people they're hired, or we can't tell you, or we don't know. I mean, there's much like the Medicaid expansion, there's no accountability. And that's why we need to expand. We need to expand the Freedom of Information Act, by the way, in Arkansas to cover that. I would posit, frankly, that it already covers it. But this is one of the problems is these bureaucratic cronies say, oh, that's not covered by the Freedom of Information Act for this host of reasons. And so, uh, A, we need to beef up the Freedom of Information Act, even though, to be clear, I think it covers it already. But if you make it even more explicit, they don't have a, a hook to hang their hat on. And secondly, any politician, conservative moderate or liberal who tries to weaken our great freedom of information act must be called out and must be opposed and i'm going to do it on dave's show i hope conduit's going to do it on dave's show i know dave's going to do it on dave's show there are too many of these hack cronies that cross parties and just look what went on with the gift that gift fund whatever that nonsense was and the ecclesia college and the corruption that went on and the people who were arrested and indicted criminals is what they are well and and they didn't go far and wide enough in my opinion that's right but I'll tell you, Robert, I can suggest a legislator to work with. That would be Bob Ballinger. He's all about the freedom of information. No, I Bob think. was on the wrong side of the Freedom of Information Act. Maybe, maybe I was mistaken. <laughs> he was on the wrong side of it last time. I hope he comes around this time. But if he doesn't, uh, you're going to hear about it on this show. Bob has done a lot of good things. I don't want to speak out about Bob generally. But Bob was on the wrong side of some major legislation. And we defeated the bills. And we defeated Bob's efforts. But he was the leader on bad FOIA bills. Don't mess with my FOIA. That's my my <laughs> alert right now to all those politicians listening to this station. Because I will repeat your name on the radio. I will tell everybody. And hey, maybe it will have no effect. And maybe it will. Where's the love for Bart Hester? I mean, let's not forget about Bart. Yeah, yeah. Bart and Bob worked together on that lousy bill. <laughs> They worked together on the, on that lousy bill, 373. They were pushing that bag of dog duty. That's what that bill was. And they were defeated, and that bill was being supported by the university uh, council's office, who, who recently disclosed that they drafted it. It was a bill to make their job easier, and they handed it over to a handful of politicians, including Bart and Bob, and they went running as the bag man on that bad bill, and that thing stank to high heaven and we killed it and if they bring it up again we'll kill it again all right so let, let me let me jump in here again i want to go back again quickly to the quick action closing fund just for the listeners that are are with us right now this is important uh for everybody uh, to hear okay i told you 185.7 million dollars in the quick action closing fund uh hey joe you want to take a shot at how much we spent what talking about the cumulative QACF expenditure since two thousand seven. 
How many millions of dollars do you believe we spent in 2007? In 2007 only? Yes, just 2007. Oh, I thought you said it was $185 million. Well, that was, that was uh, up to, uh, since its inception in 2007, well, let me just do it. It was $4.1 million. But by 2014, it was $111.6 million a year. And then in 2017, it was $138.6 million. And last year, or this year, up until the uh, uh, first half of the year, $141.3 million was, uh, was spent. So, well, that uh, would plug a lot of budget holes, wouldn't it? Yeah. Check. And, and they need to rename it. You know, they renamed uh, the private option Arkansas Works. They need to rename the Quick Action Fund to the Re-Election Slush Fund. They are renaming it about every other budget, so you can't trace it. It's very <laughs> That's hard what they do. Straight line. Hey, don't don't forget about our friends, the Arkansas Development Finance Authority and the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Yeah, there's and all kinds say, of money I'm, going I'm assuming out. assuming this report reflects all of those different pieces Not, of no no only one program of certain friends and no only one program the quick action closing fund that's okay. it that is it just just real quickly let me uh, take a break and then when we come back we will finish up because i'm going to tell you the top private company recipients of this money and how many of them had clawbacks going on that's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, just about done. Let me remind you, Joe was talking earlier that he's got 10 positions open uh, for somebody who would like to get a job. Well, so does P.I. Roofing. P.I. Roofing's got a bunch of positions opening because they're trying to build uh, their business and and get bigger. But they need you to come and uh, apply and go to work. Make $20 an hour uh, if you got the, the right uh um, you know, know the right skills. If you like to work with your hands, don't mind working outdoors. Uh, they've got openings in the commercial roofing and service division, residential roofing and service division, and the home solutions division. And uh, you can uh, climb your ladder of success with PI Roofing. Send your resume, piroofing.com, or call them 501 707 3551. Okay, so guys, I want to leave you with this. In the. Uh, Quick Action Closing Fund, here are the top private company recipients. Hewitt-Packard, LM Wind Power, Nanomech Incorporated, Windstream, Dassault Falcon Jet and Allied Wireless. Hewitt-Packard got $10 million, LM Wind Power got 6.8, Nanomech got 6.5, Windstream got 5.3, Dassault Falcon Jet 5.3, and Allied Wireless five million dollars now we're talking about six companies there four of them hewitt packard lm wind power windstream and allied wireless all are experiencing clawbacks that means that they did not reach uh, where they should have reached how many jobs they needed to present you know have and all the rest and uh they went in and took some money from them and took some money back. Problem is, as I learned today from Jacob, is that they can change that, that, claw, that, that, that clawback. And what the clawback may have said in the contract may not be the clawback that the state gets back. And the, it, basically the taxpayer gets back. It is a terrible program.
remember the DHS uh, reports, you know, look and see how, how um, DHS spent their money prepared by Hewitt Packard. You know, they do some yeah, and, different things, and, contracts with the state. And how many jobs were created and, and what is the fraction of the refund, which, you know, people call it clawback in contract terms, but for your audience, that's just, they have to refund the money back that they got, but it's going to be a small amount, is it not? Well, the right. bo- well, here's the bottom line. It may not even be the small amount they agreed to. Uh, they can change that. They can change that in the con- not. Not the company, but the state can change that, and they change that a lot. It's amazing. Well, I think that you can also associate that with the uh, Medicaid expansion. Uh, as I recall, reading the CMS, the Centers for Medi- Medicaid Medicare Services uh, Agreement, not the bill that we passed that they were touting, but the actual deal is okay. that the federal government can claw back a lot of that money because they've not done their redeterminations on schedule because it's not in anybody's best interest to figure out if these people are well qualified for the program or not. And we're talking about tens of millions of dollars that the feds could say, Arkansas, pay us. You didn't handle it right. Because the premium tax, Arkansas has no incentive to reduce the number of roles, except now after the 10% kicks in. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on everywhere. Government can't fix the problem. There are necessary evils that must remain as small as possible and within the four corners of the Constitution. I'm with you, Joe. They never could fix the problem. The problem is is bigger than what they can do because they're so big, they don't know what they're doing. Well, their incentives are all wrong. I mean, will will the people in and of their own... Uh, effort and and uh, will fix these problems? No, but then they're not going to be fixed because they may not need to be fixed. That's just the human condition in some cases. But people will solve the problems that need solving, free of government, better than government will ever solve them. All right. We have the music playing. That means I must shut up. It means that you and Brenda, it's time for you to go. I'm sorry. Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. God bless. Bye-bye. Don't forget conduitnews.com. Robert, thank you for coming in. Always thank a pleasure. You. God bless And uh, we will be back again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I've got uh, the folks in from Toy Troopers tomorrow. Well, no, I take that back. I do not. They're on Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow I'll have to look and see what my, com- uh, contra- my contract says. We'll be back with more in a moment. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com